Instruments. What is acoustic? Oh, you mean a grandpa's guitars? A grandpa's guitars. That's for pussies and grandpas. Well, I think you know it. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Anime Baby, a podcast made without the assistance of AI. This is your host, spinning round and round like dancing laundry, Mikey. And joining me, as always, is... What is my name? Your co-host, Ryan. And welcome back to Summer of Music. The finale of Summer of Music, to be precise here. Yes, coming at you live in the month of September. (laughs) Because we live in Minnesota, and summer always lasts for another month out here. You know, it sticks around like a bad rash sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, man, I'm, I'm excited for what we're finishing off with here. Oh, yes, our big closing act, our main event of our big summer festival here. And, uh, funnily enough, the, uh, the day we're recording this is, in fact, officially the last day of summer, because tomorrow will be the, uh, tunnel equinox. Yes, that is absolutely true. So, yes, technically still in summer. Yep, <laughs> and even better, it's on a Tuesday. Mmm, Which better. is fitting, because we're closing out summer with Carol and Tuesday. And just like Kids on the Slope, another series that I felt was up your alley that you're only just getting to. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. There's a lot that uh, sneaks past me that I'm sure I would love. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God, I, I still have not finished uh, Great Pretender, even. and not, That's another one I need yeah, to finish. Yeah, same here. <laughs> also need to finish Akudama Drive and Skate the Infinity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, lots of work still need to be done. But yeah, Carol, Carol and Tuesday seemed like another like easy one for me to really dive into. Shinichiro Watanabe, uh, full, full on doing a pure series all about music. Yep. Not like not about not with like uh, like teen drama on the side or anything. No, music musicians within the music industry. And this is 100% his idea, whereas Kids on the Slope was an adaptation. Here, this is full on Watanabe. Right. This is him in full force, like unhinged. And this show is actually the reason why I wanted to do Summer of Music in the first place. Like, I really wanted to do uh, Carolyn Tuesday as an episode, but I felt like, you know, just a one-off episode, ah, it, needs, it needs something more than that. So I just I thought, a whole summer of music anime building to just this occasion. It needs, it needs to be the main event for a special event. And when looking at the previous episodes, it couldn't have fit more perfectly. 
Honestly, I do agree with you. I do agree with you. There's something about Carolyn Tuesday that makes it uh, like a perfect capstone to this uh, series we've been doing. Especially the last two episodes, because like, just the last three episodes of Summer Music are just like, they're kind of the perfect beginning, middle, and end. Mm, they kind of are. I almost makes you wish that was the summer instead of doing <laughs> Show by Rock. <laughs> I love Show by Rock, but man, it stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah, it kind of it kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've wondered that myself as well. Uh, but as always, here's a little bit of the background as, you put, as we pick up from when we last left off on the career of Shinichiro Watanabe. So, uh, following Kids on the Slope, uh, Watanabe would give us another classic in the form of Space Dandy Baby in 2014. <laughs> Podcast episode on that coming eventually. Stay tuned. <laughs> We're, we, we, we gotta dedicate plenty of time and work to that one. Oh yeah, and, uh, just say, I'll just say this now, that one also deserves a big, big lead up, shall we say. Mmm, I could understand that. And then uh, later in 2014, Watanabe would then do uh, Terran Resonance, the uh, show that he was able to be uh, greenlit in exchange for doing Kids on the Slope, if you remember last time. And I mentioned this on the previous episode, but I feel that Kids on the Slope was the start of, like, a new career renaissance for Watanabe, because he just started, like, pumping out these hits ever since ever since he was away from TV anime in 2004 after finishing, finishing Champ Blue. Right, right. It really did. It really did signal that he was going. He was going to be trying brand new things for the stage of his career, and perfectly paced out in between him. You know, he's not like doing every year. It's like every couple of years or so. Right, right. You know, he's taking his time. You know, he's he's not he's not rushing things. Taking his time, working with a bunch of other studios too. And uh, after Dandy and Resonance, Watanabe would go back to producing shorts, as he did the tie-in short for Blade Runner twenty forty nine called Blade Runner Blackout twenty twenty two. Have you actually seen this one? I- uh, I still have not, actually. <laughs> uh, me too. I, I still need to see that one. I, I still need to see Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, that same here. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it's good. I hear it's good. Hear but, too. like, I gotta, I gotta make an event of it sometime. We gotta make it, we gotta make it into a movie night for us. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of Blade Runner, he is also set to be a producer on Blade Runner Black Lotus, which was announced in 2018 and is finally coming out in 2021. I, I I hope it I, I hope it delivers. <laughs> I, I hope it's really good. I hope it's better than what the trailer made it look out to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're holding out hope. <laughs> holding out hope. But yeah, that one's finally finally coming out. I know, finally, right? Which uh, actually leads us to uh, the subject of today's episode. As uh, after Blade Runner got uh, announced, uh, he would actually work old work on another series. A series to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Studio Bones as a whole. Watanabe gives us Carolyn Tuesday. As it uh, aired from April 10th, 2019 to October 2nd, 2019. In Japan. For the rest of us, we had to wait because the series was licensed by our old pal Netflix. Uh, and don't they just love to tease us for a while? They're just all like, guys, we got this series up, but you, you gotta wait six months for, for it to come out. And only the first half, and then you gotta wait six more months for the second half. Like a freshly baked pie, they won't let us dive into it's it just immediately. It's sitting there on the windowsill, I'm smelling the aroma, I'm just like, come on, give it to me. I, I know, you steal. just wanna, you, you just wanna stab him with a fork, yeah. and like, go, <laughs> and just go for it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, check out our episodes on Little Witch Academia and Beastars for our feelings on uh, Netflix licensing anime. Apparently it's gonna get better, I've heard that they're gonna go to uh, bi-weekly uh, streaming. For anime, 
I mean, we'll we'll see how the release of uh, JoJo Part Six goes. <laughs> yeah, I hear that's monthly, so hopefully, hopefully that'll do good. Yeah, because like I'm gonna be watching that one like a hawk. Like like maybe not, maybe I wasn't for Great Pretender, but I'm gonna be watching that one like a hawk. Yes, I'm looking forward to that one. A little butt hurt at that because it's on Netflix and won't be on Toonami, but hey, what are you gonna do? Right. And the dub of the show, it was produced by Bang Zoom Entertainment and was written and directed by the team of Erica Mendez and Kyle McClary. So, with all that out of the way, we got a big one, so we gotta jump right into it. Yes, so let's 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 tune our instruments and just play. As summer music concludes with Carol and Tuesday. So without further ado, let's start the show. And that's just not me I'm writing a journal To keep my feelings hiding Across the bridge What would I see? Wanna see it? Dreaming my dreams Miracles, beautiful Here we go the opening and the ending for the first half the opening is kiss me and the ending is hold me now both performed by the lead singers of the show what do you think of these songs uh both extremely delightful they're essentially just music videos (laughs) essentially and i love the animation with like almost like pastels and watercolors oh yeah they're 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 very they're very warm like pieces of animation and the the music of course uh first thing you want to introduce for a series like this uh, immediately good. Like, honestly, some of the most, like, probably the most professionally produced stuff out of everything we've watched this se- uh, series we've been doing. Oh, yeah, like, and there's a reason why I used Kiss Me as the song for the Summer Music trailer, because, like, it's just that good. Mm, absolutely. Like, truly glorious. And just, like, the way it fits in with the animation, I love the how it's, like, a music video, you have, like, background characters dancing, and then you have our main characters performing in the street to a bunch of people watching them. Like, it's, it's so good, and the ending is just so, it's just so upbeat and happy, you just want to turn it on and just, you know, take a walk to this music with a little extra bounce in your step. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, uh, just really, really fun, bouncy opening to um, a series about uh, two very fun, bouncy characters. Exactly. So, kick off. Just a small town girl. <laughs> Living in a lonely world. Please, please don't. I don't like that song. <laughs> she took the midnight train going anywhere. Right, right. <laughs> press, press, fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the small town girl is Tuesday Simmons, played here by Brianna Knickerbocker. 
And that anywhere is Alba City on Mars, which is actually a region of Mars. And uh, running away from home with nothing but her guitar, her robot suitcase, and a smile on her face, and a song in her heart. Emulating her hero, Cindy Lauper, who actually uh, ran away from home at 17 to pursue her dreams, which is true, exactly. Though it was also to escape an abusive stepfather. And uh, apparently, uh, I looked this up, uh, during her journey, she spent about uh, two weeks in the woods in Canada with her dog, Sparkle. Like, oh, shit. Like, that's... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, find a, find a town, honey. Like, that's... Uh... <laughs> did, she come, did she come out of that with her dog? <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Don't have to wonder where, where it's going. Oh, I had to eat it. <laughs> right. Wouldn't want to see, like, go back the way she came and, like, see Sparky on a spit. <laughs> Sparkle, no! <laughs> Yeah, Cindy Lauper, good inspiration, and best Cindy Lauper song go. Uh, 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 the garbage ballet from Central Park. <laughs> Very careful evaluation Make very sure they're all filled up There is a place Where the garbage goes When the world forsakes it I'm sorry, the uh, correct answer we're looking for is good enough from the Goonies. <laughs> Come on, I gotta give some love to the work she did on Central Park. No, that, that was really good. Yeah, she wrote two really good songs yeah. for, that, for that series. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm partial to Good Enough, because uh, the music video, like, if you've ever seen it, like, it's amazing. Mm, no, I don't think so. I'll have to give it a watch. Uh, but basically, it's uh, Cindy Lauper and her parents, they run like, a gas station, but it's being taken over by evil businessmen, and the businessmen are all, are all uh, old... Uh, WWF heels like uh, Roddy, oh, of course, Roddy that's Piper, your uh, Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov milking a plastic cow. Of course, that's and understandable. They're all, like, they're all like, ah, we're going to take over this gas station and put in a hibachi restaurant. And then Cindy's got to go on an adventure with the Goonies to get money to pay him off. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, fanta fantastic uh, musician, that woman. Wanting to escape one of her parents is part of the reason why Tuesday ran away. So there is that also connection there. As uh, her mother is uh, Valerie Simmons, played here by Rachel Robinson, and she's running for the presidency of Mars. And we'll get back to this, but uh, she's pretty much meant to be a representation of certain current day political ideology. Let's just say she wants to make Mars great again. 
Yeah, it's it's not it's not gonna be subtle, folks. Nah, <laughs> you can't really be with with uh, this a series like this. And we'll get into it <laughs> as Tuesday arrives in Alba City and get a load of this future space city here. Like, I love it how it mixes traditional like future aesthetic, you know, like glass buildings, flying cars, and all that, and then typical modern architecture. Like one half is space city, the other half is like. The Bronx. I, I like that. I like that it's not, like, overblown in any kind of way. And uh, culturally, a big uh, melding pot, you know, like New York. Yeah, like, I, I like I like that one aspect about, uh, I like that one aspect about the city. Because, like, I, I think some, mod, I think, like, whenever you see um, sci-fi, sci-fi cities a little too much, there's not too much of, like, a local flavor to it or anything. Or, like, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't, some, some parts just don't feel as, like, lived in. Or, like, they don't, like, think of, like, districts or anything. Or, like culturally what like the people immigrating there might have an influence on like the way it looks but like no the series actually kind of thought about that you see like graffiti everywhere like you see like a wide range of like different races and ethnicities like it's absolutely beautiful i love i love the way they handled just the uh the setting of the series like it's it's really it really is like a real melting pot and it's beautiful to see and it just the perfect setup to the to a series like this with Everything that's going to be coming afterwards. Mm, yeah, it is the perfect setting. And here we meet Carol Stanley, played here by Jeannie Torado, who spends her days trying to make ends meet working a lot of dead-end part-time jobs. A lot of them are a lot of crap, though. Mm-hmm. And like Tuesday, Carol has a dream of making it big as a musician. Speaking of which, it's during a street performance that the two girls meet for the very first time as Tuesday is drawn to the sound of Carol's magnificent voice. Like, she's even brought to the point of tears that it's so beautiful. And the two immediately hit it off while they run from the cops and their stupid anti-busker laws. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's put a pin in Carol and Tuesday for now as let's introduce another major player in the series. Yeah, because they, they they are not the only major players in this series. Nah, because uh, the way the series works is that it kind of bounces around from them and a uh, certain other character here. And that character is Angela Carpenter, played here by Ryan Bartley. And she's a famous child actor model superstar. She's a triple threat. And yeah, so the way it works is that uh, ten- episodes tend to have like A plots and B plots. So A plots are generally Carol and Tuesday, while the B plot is generally Angela. And it kind of mixes the two together, kind of similar to how uh, Beck did its episodes. Right, right. And uh, much much as you would imagine with a structure like that, Carol and Tuesday and uh, Angela could not be any more different from each other. No, like the most opposite you can possibly be. <laughs> I mean, as we learn later on, they have some kind of similarities. Like some as, here and there. But at, at first, like from what you're, from what you know of her, right off the bat, uh, <laughs> very, very different personality-wise. Not very endearing at first. <laughs> no, not entirely. <laughs> but she's got this sort of like dogged uh, passion for pursuing music that uh, you can't help but kind of respect, and that's what really drives her when you first meet her. Yes, and we see that her career and life basically is run by her mother and agent. Dahlia Carpenter, played here by Brooke Chalmers, and after a few minutes of screen time, you can understand what kind of relationship she and Angela seem to have at this point in the series. You know, pretty much uh, those kind of pageant parents that you see. Yeah, you do kind of get that sense. Although, Angela, though, I think think what makes that different, though, is that Angela has, like, an ambition to her that really uh, drives her forward and makes her kind of feel more like her own character like she's not just being like she's not being domineered entirely by her mother you know mm-hmm. like this is sort of what she wants yeah though at the moment with her being like a model and an actor for some uh, durian soda commercial she's just kind of bored by it all she needs to find that excitement and that excitement is becoming a singer songwriter 
and she wants to be Mars's next top singer, and doing so with the help of Tao, played here by Colin McClary, doing a little double duty here, a music producer who creates high-selling recording artists through the power of advanced AI. And Angela's all in on this, despite uh, Tao calling her his puppet. <laughs> Everything's just so boring, you know? This is, ex is exciting. I'll go follow this guy, even though he's kind of off. Yeah, very not, not a sociable guy, just very much to the point. And she wants to take over the entertainment industry by any means necessary, and we see that she means any means necessary. So she's got to become a puppet for someone, then that's what she's going to do. Yeah, if it'll get me to the top, let's roll. So back with Carol on Tuesday, they head back to Carol's place, and what a nice place this is, this little, like, loft above, like, a uh, little store here. I'll say right now, if they were looking to make the this loft look very dingy or kind of bad, they uh, they really failed, because <laughs> this is actually, like, a pretty nice loft. This is cool. <laughs> look at all the space they have inside there. So much space to do activities. I know, it's like the owner used this for storage? Like, what the hell? Like, you see Carol's bed, and it's like, above, like, her living room, and her living room's just this big open space next to a kitchen. Like, it's like, so great. You girls are living in the lap of luxury. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't our place be like that? <laughs> For what it's worth, our place is actually pretty nice. Yes, it's actually very nice. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm still amazed we lucked out on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, keeping with the uh, pet bird trend we've been having the past couple of episodes, Carol has a pet robot alarm clock owl named Jiggy. It's 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 just so cute. It's it's the future where like all animal life died in, like like in Blade Runner, except everyone's <laughs> super chill about it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't really see much animals in the series. <laughs> They're all robots. <laughs> They're all dead. <laughs> they couldn't really acclimate to that Mars environment, I guess. Nah, something with the atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Tuesday tells Carol why she ran away from home. You know, she just felt so stuck in this big place you know her mother's not very attentive to her her father kind of walked out on her when she was still little so she kind of has nothing but then she heard the song true colors by cindy lopper and that inspired her to uh, go out and do this but i see your true colors Yes, True Colors, which is actually the title of the first episode, and yeah, Watanabe keeping in the trend from Kids on the Slope, naming each episode after a famous hit song. It's a good strategy. It's a good one, and they do actually really fit. I won't go through them like I did in the last episode, but uh, yeah, look them up, they're, they're pretty great, and they fit each episode. And uh, I also kind of noticed that during the scene, the background music does kind of sound a bit like an instrumental of True Colors here. So Carol then to tells Tuesday about herself as she grew up in a refugee camp, and one day a famous singer named Flora came by and did a concert there. And that was what inspired her to get into music. Both girls share a common bond of wanting to get out into the world, wanting to show the world their true colors. And fate seemed to have brought them together as Carol was great with coming up with tunes, instrumentals, but struggles with lyrics. But Tuesday is the opposite as she struggles with performing but can come up with lyrics in a snap. Ah, good combo. Yeah. And uh, she even wrote a full set of lyrics to the song uh, Carol was playing when they first met, like, in the time it took from them to run from the cops to get back to her place, she already wrote down a full set of lyrics. 
like Dino Spumoni and his writing partner. Yeah. <laughs> for all you Hey Arnold heads out there. You know, Carol's the, when she writes songs, it's just ba ba da da ba da 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 crummy shoes. The two then uh, perform together for the first time here, and uh, I love how it's set up where Tuesday is uh, nervous and struggling at first. Like, she pulls out her guitar and starts, like, tuning while Carol is still playing, and then Carol just slowly leads her into the song, helping her gain the confidence to sing. It's and then, really good. <laughs> and then they just start gelling super well once they get into it. It feels realistically like two people trying to get used to each other's, like, styles and, like, really fly. It is actually a rotoscope, just like uh, Kids on the Slope is. You know, how they had the uh, professional drummer and uh, pianist for their performances. Uh, Carolyn Tuesday does the same thing with uh, with uh, singing voices for our two leads here. As uh, Carol's singing voice is uh, Nybrix, and uh, Selena Ann is Tuesday. And this is a rare series where you have to, like, actually bring that up. Because, like, there's a lot of, like, separate singing talent they got for this series. Yeah, everyone who sings in the show has a separate singing voice. Some of them later on really shocked me. Like, like I did not, I did not expect to see some certain names <laughs> later on. I was, it really got to me. And yeah, like it's the same for both English and Japanese. So like in Japanese, they everyone had a Japanese seiyu, but uh, when it comes to singing, they had the same actors. Everyone because everyone sings in English. Now, could you imagine the logistics of that though? Like having to like find like all that for not just Japanese but English too. Yeah. Holy crap! Like when it comes to casting, like you have to cast actors who can who sound like they can be the ones who are singing this right now. I know that's gotta be really tough. Like here, it's not Brandon Knickerbocker and Jeannie Tirado, even though I've heard that they can sing this well, but like it's not them. Right, right. They, they, like, this series had, like, much higher ambitions yeah. <laughs> than many other anime out there. And yeah, like, getting certain professional musicians and singers in on this, too, is, like, pretty crazy. Yes. And uh, we'll hear the full song that they're singing here later, but uh, it's, it's such a great start. Afterwards, Carol and Tuesday head up to the roof, and the two agree to pursue music together as a duo. And they seal it with a fist bump, pound it, and a selfie on Instagram which uh, is actually real. They do have an official Instagram. That is that account in the show. Just about every website they reference in the show is actually real. <laughs> like, like they reference Pitchfork. They reference, like, Rolling Stones. Like, all these places are still around to this to this day. And apparently surviving. On Mars. Yeah, surviving to the future on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is like the, this is that, like, strange future where, like, Elon Musk wasn't full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we even have self-driving cars too. That's kind of depressing. <laughs> although, although just like in that, although just like in the show, they still fucking kill people. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Check me, Elon. <laughs> also, good to see that Twitter has died in the future. Oh, that's right. I don't recall Twitter at all. Nope, just Instagram. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Twitter's dead. <laughs> Fuck you, you stupid bird. Woo! <laughs> By the way, uh, follow me on Twitter at Mikey Shio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, back with Angela and Tao, we get an idea of how the AI system works and how it practically runs the entire music industry here. Yeah, because I kind of had to grasp with this a little bit because this is kind of important for the series. Like almost every musician in this like world uses AI to make music. Yeah, like it takes the data of past hit songs, runs it through algorithms in order to produce new hits for new artists while simultaneously handling all of its marketing too. Like, like I assume it's like as wholly original as you can mathematically get. Mm -hmm. 
Like, like trying not to repeat past trends at all. No, but like trying to take mul- certain multiple trends and seeing like how they gel with each other and like what's currently going on in the world, what are people into and everything like that, and then producing these hits. There must have been that really weird period in the this world's past history where uh, ska got really big and then like all of a sudden everyone's music started getting like ska infused. <laughs> just everyone just going... Mighty Mighty Boss Tones were like like uh, featuring on many tracks for some reason. They they have like holograms of them performing on stage <laughs> along with Less Than Jake. I never had to knock on wood <laughs> with like EDM blasting in the yeah. background. <laughs> uh, and musicians are all like, "What the fuck are we making today?" <laughs> This is a future where, like, uh, the Digimon movie is now, like, nostalgia, and they're banking on that nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this AI can make anything from Daft Punk to Michael Jackson, and they do say that. hmm And it's pretty much, like, the next possible evolution of, like, the modern-day music industry, just taking the idea of everything being manufactured and taking it to the very next level, where it's, like, super manufactured. Right, right. Like, there is that angle that's, like, a lot of the music out there is pretty, like, manufactured. Like it's sci-fi, but when you but when you really think about it, maybe. I mean, at the awesome. same time, though, I kind of want to agree with that because, like, they don't like it. It's it's never talked down to, though. In no, the they don't talk down to it. It's it's seen as no. It's more just like seen as like a regular tool. Everyone yeah. uses like it, it's yeah. I wouldn't say it's like it's not treated as a cop out. It's more treat like by musicians or anything or anyone who's trying to sell out. It's just treated as a tool in this world. It's the norm in on Mars. Right, right. Just about everyone, like, uses it. Uh, not Carolyn Tuesday, though. No, they're genuine like that. No, because, uh, like, 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 Watanabe is also continuing another trend in the series. Two, perpe- like, perpetually poor characters. <laughs> he loves, he loves writing perpetually poor, poor characters. And Carolyn Tuesday are too poor to afford, like, any of the fancy bells and whistles that other musicians use. No, and, like, we actually do see, like, their everyday life where it's, like, Carol, she works for part-time jobs, and Tuesday can't seem to do, like, simple commoner stuff like cleaning. Yeah. <laughs> like, even manages to make everything messier somehow. <laughs> and Carol has, like, her odd jobs, and, like, the emphasis is on odd, because, like, one of the first ones we see is where she's supposed to be, like, a funeral attendee. She's supposed to show up at a funeral and then just grieve and cry for the person in the casket. I think that might be a real actual profession. Really? That's, it's, it's... Because, like, they say in show that, like, it's, like, she was hired on by, like, a rich guy who, like, wasn't very well loved in life, so he, so he paid for people to cry at his grave. <laughs> so people would think he's, like, a big shot beyond, like, beyond the grave. Like, was that in his will? I think, I think that's a, I think that's a real thing that, like, some people actually pay others to do. <laughs> so they, they pay, they pay people to be grievers. <laughs> uh, I think Carl Pilkington actually did that in, like, one of his, like, later, uh, like, TV series. That oh. he did. Where for, like, for, like, one day he, for, like, one time he tried being a professional griever. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, like, if you don't know, like, Carl Pilkington, he's, like, a, a stone-faced uh, former radio personality who's <laughs> turned into a British phenomenon before he uh, backed out of the public eye officially and retreated back to a uh, safe and uh, non-vocal life. And, uh, yeah, he <laughs> he tried being, he one of the, one for, one for one of his TV shows that he did, he tried being a professional griever, and, uh, well, he tried. <laughs> <laughs> 
Imagine like the most deadpan guy you've ever met, like trying to like show emotion. It's it was pretty. It was like it was pr- pretty weird, but it was kind of entertaining. Like, was he just looking at the cast going like, "Oh, you're right there." <laughs> no, he tries to actually work up an actual tear. <laughs> he really legitimately tried. <laughs> Uh, probably does better than Carol, because Carol just starts laughing. <laughs> right, right. Not not built for this industry. Nah, guess she wasn't invited to the wake afterwards. <laughs> so later that night, our girls want to perform the song they came up with together, but only on the bigger stage. They sneak into a concert hall that's being set up for another event, and they perform the song, uh, Loneliest Girl. I'll play seeing a little bit of it. this song later on but i will say loneliest girl amazing mm. it's a really good song uh, yeah very wonderful and it's definitely like their signature piece you know like their moaning if compared to kids on the slope mm-hmm. certainly and the performance is simultaneously recorded by one of the tech guys roddy played here by zach aguilar and he posts it online and it instantly goes viral and it catches the attention of a certain drunk at a bar and this drunkard, he makes quite the first impression pulling a jack from The Shining here, like, trying to break into Carolyn Tuesday's place. <laughs> Here's Gus Goldman, played here by Jason Marnoka. It's Don Boo from Megalobox! <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. It's like, man, talk about another very similar role that he played. Like, almost exactly similar. I know, he's like, he's like the like middle-aged mentor. Yeah, <laughs> What the hell? He got the exact same role again, essentially. I think I may have referenced Carolyn Tuesday when we did that episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Gus and Roddy, both these guys, definitely should be in everyone's anime boy stable. They are just so (laughs) lovable. Yeah, very supportive of Carolyn Tuesday. Really really wants them all to make something beautiful. Uh, Gus is, you know, lovably kind of hapless and that he's, you know, he's a low, he's that kind of lovable has been. Like, yeah. He's, he's pulled off very well in the like, show. He's oafish, but he has like a heart of gold. Right. A washed up rock star who's trying to produce a new act. And of course you got like Roddy. He feels very much kind of along for the ride, but uh, he's also kind of, uh, he sees a lot of promise in Carolyn Tuesday as well. He just kind of happened to fall into like their orbit really. 
Right, right. Like he, like he doesn't do a whole lot. Like I guess you could maybe assume that he does some like sound engineering on the side for them. Yeah, he's definitely their tech guy. Right, right. But uh, <laughs> it was, it's, it's. He, he does. He's more. He takes more of a backseat role when it comes to the uh, larger decisions. He provides the emotional support. Yes, he does. And we get a bit of background on Gus as you know, like I said, he used to be a rock star, and he was actually the drummer for a band called Lazy Sandwich, which is an amazing name. <laughs> But the group was then uh, shunned for being a motorhead knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Greta, he was the Greta Van Fleet of his time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure they may have been a motorhead knockoff, but I'm sure their live shows were probably better than theirs. <laughs> you know, their lead singer isn't drunkenly trying to remember the lyrics to the game. But that was like the best part about Lemmy. <laughs> yeah, just, that is, you know, just Lemmy going up on stage going... It's all about the game. How you play it? How you play it? Triple H will play it. Because he's a game. How you play it? Such a lovable guy who ate an all meat whiskey diet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure whiskey was just his, his blood at that point. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, and also, uh, Gus actually used to be the manager of Flora as uh, she was the last star he managed. And he says he wants to be the girls, uh, the Epstein to their Beatles here. That's the, like, I really, like, I don't know, like, when he said, when he said Epstein, I was initially just like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, Epstein to the Beatles. I'm like, oh. Oh, okay. Oh. Not, not the guy with the island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here, and uh, during their first meeting, uh, they get pizza at a restaurant, and when they get the bill, we see the currency of this world. They use Wulongs. Ah, Watanabe. He's, he continues that little trend. Yeah, the same currency used in Cowboy Bebop and Space Dandy. Uh, so pretty much confirming that uh, all of his shows take place in the same universe. Yeah, like arguably, yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, Alba City, that was actually the setting to Cowboy Bebop the movie. Ah, <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, now that I look back, actually, they do. The, both cities do actually look very similar. So like... Uh, Sometime in the future, expect a big, like, uh, terrorist attack during Halloween led by a guy named Vincent. <laughs> and I also want to bring up here a really cute scene afterwards where at the laundromat, the girls come up with a new song on the spot, Round in Laundry, which is super fucking catchy. It is extremely catchy. Like, it starts out sort of like a stomp thing where, like, they're, like, stomping on everything and, like, hitting, like... Hitting like things for like percussion, you know, like it's it's really it's really catchy. And there's a guy sitting in between them that joins in with the stomping and the clapping too. Like ah, oh, it's adorable. It's easy to sing, but it's harder to live. I met you, 
Soon after this, we meet another Mega Boy, the Megas Mega Boy in the series, <laughs> <laughs> introducing DJ Ertigan, played here by Ray Chase. Oh shit, Ertigan! Big, loud, bombastic, and he has the gimmick of "Who am I?" Oh, it's so good. He's such a vain, stupid DJ. He gives me vibes of like. Uh, JJ from Yuri on Ice. Right, right. Just so unbelievably full of himself, but he can back it up, which makes you just kind of hate him more. I know! That's what makes you kind of love him. Like, he's he, he's way too in up his own ass, but, like, he's not, like, he's not a dick about it or anything. Like, he's not, like, mean about it and stuff. It's just the way he is. He's just kind of ignorant about it. Yeah, he's just <laughs> stupid. Yeah. <laughs> And his music is just the most EDM thing ever. Like, I would honestly want to rave to a lot of his songs. Oh yeah, he 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 is he can make some really good tunes actually. And Roddy works with him, so he's able to get a meeting between the girls and this guy. And his mansion fits his personality and ego to a T. Like it's the perfect size for him. He's even got like Banksy works on his wall too. It's <laughs> yeah, like, he does. I had to like kind of make a second guess at the uh, shredded like photo and stuff because I was like, "Holy shit! What year did that come out? Like that felt recent." <laughs> <laughs> it's an ancient piece at, at this point. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like the Mona Lisa. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh no! Speaking of this guy's ego, like the way he starts their meeting is that he just takes off his robe, strips down to like his underwear, and just starts doing push-ups in front of the girls <laughs> while he's talking to them. He even asked for, like, a picture and an autograph. Clearly did not get the message, like, ahead of time that they're here to get his help. Yeah. But he has no time for them and their uh, non-AI-made music as that's a thing of the past and not worth his attention. No, he's probably just going along like, oh, you you write your own music? Like a fucking plebeian? Next you'll say you'll play your instruments like, oh my god, you're actually taking them out. Oh, oh, this is so precious. Oh, you're so adorable, but you're so fucking stupid. You'll want to you'll put a pin on that. Yeah. <laughs> For his attitudes on AI-driven music. Yeah. For way later. And then Tuesday kind of snaps here and then 
sets her sheet music on fire, which then sets off the sprinklers to all the mansion. Like, I don't know what you were attempting to, like, really accomplish there. No, I think she just temporarily went insane and just wanted to start fires. <laughs> I mean, you you either ruined or drove up the value of those Banksy, Banksy pieces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, they gotta be recalculated now. Yeah, yeah. Um, this begins their almost kind of one-sided feud here, but it, it's a great little thing for the first half of the series. Mm, definitely. Carol and Tuesday needing to take the next big step in their quest to take over the music world, and that's make a music video. And they do this with the help of Idia, the cinema prodigy, an AI robot that can make a music video no problem, and on the cheap too. Uh, ignore the one-star rating on eBay, though, just to sweep that under the rug. <laughs> And once they get the robot, they just go through a mishmash of ideas. Like, Carol just basically lists off Michael Jackson music videos, and Roddy just wants robots in anime. <laughs> but the robot can promise all that in one video. All he needs is a lot of stuff and a lot of beer. Because that's what powers him. He's like he's he's actually like Bender from Futurama. It's like Bender crossed with QT from Space Dandy. Yeah, yeah, that's a good comparison. And speaking of QT... I gotta bring this up. At one point, the robot is actually watching Space Dandy. Yes, he is. He's, he's watching anime on his phone, and ha- and it happens to be Space Dandy. And it's new animation, too. Like, it's QT lounging by a pool, and you see Honey there, too. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a cute little cameo. That was very nice. <laughs> and the whole process of them making this music video is just too funny. And all of it is at, is at uh, Roddy's expense, as they're, for the robots, they're using, like, his mech figures that are rare and the robot just starts breaking them to make them fight (laughs) and then uh, they need background dancers but they couldn't find anyone so the robot has roddy dance 120 times so that they can compile them and composite them into the music video (laughs) (laughs) and then he has them borrow one of erdogan's fancy cars too yeah straight up yeah straight up uh what was it like a convertible or something (laughs) and then we see their full music video too and it's it looks as though the it looks like it looks like the production took one animator from each department and just said storyboard this section of the music video and make it look as shit as possible. <laughs> like we'll give general notes about like what it needs here and there, but like just make it look like garbage. Everything is so out of focus. Like only the background is in focus. The camera is such shaking. a mis- it's such a mishmash of like. Like intentionally bad animation <laughs> and shots and whatnot that are that like all looks just absolutely wonderful. Like terrible three D models, like uh, like a take on me parody that looks like it was drawn by a four year old. <laughs> <laughs> you also have like random passerbys just walking into shots and looking directly into the camera that they don't bother to cut. I know it, it's it it absolutely takes the piss out of itself. Also, at one point, there's just like. There's a shot of Gus just holding his arm out and just, for no reason, a random lens flare just comes across the screen. <laughs> and we also do see, like, the result of, like, Roddy having to dance 120 times where it's just, like, they took all the shots of him dancing, they green screened it, but, like, you can still see the green fuzz on it. <laughs> and, like, uh, rows of him that are supposed to be in the background are, like, overlaid on top of the ones in the front so they're, like, standing on top of each other. <laughs> But that also brings up, like, you didn't need to dance 121 to- 120 times. You just needed to do it once. You could have just done it once and then just repeat it. I know. It's like the, the, the pointlessness of that, like, really sticks. And just, like, they're all doing, like, the thriller dance. They're all just the zombies. It's a well-done, crappy music video. 
At one point, they even do, like, the breakfast club dances. <laughs> like, it's it's amazing. And they find out that the robot is actually a big con artist, and they uh, ship him off, never to be seen again. I will bring up, there is actually some nice moments during, like, this time where we actually do meet uh, Marie, Gus's ex, played here by Allegra Clark, as she helps them with uh, costumes and makeup. And we actually do see, like, that bit of their relationship in the series, and that's actually quite nice, and it's also, like, a little heartbreaking, but you kind of understand, like, their breakup, too. Right, right. Like, they had something going before, but they just weren't right for each other, you know? So things just kind of fell apart. Also, like, she also wasn't being too honest with herself mm-hmm. now and stuff, but uh, now she has a girlfriend, and she's, you know, in a much happier place now than she was before. And, um, man, it's really nice to see positive, like, <laughs> like positive, like, gay relationships like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> in, especially in modern anime. Yep. Where, like, can I just be frank? Like, I'm feeling many other anime, and especially, like, I feel like many other anime out there today, like, it's... They, they they don't go for nice little moments like this. Nah. They don't. Not really. Because for many of them, they want to hit as large an audience as possible. But yeah, they, they always treat that as like a marketing decision. And not just like something that can like just be as like a natural part of the plot. Like, again, we, we've we said before that like both like this and uh, Kids in the Slope felt like a, a natural progression for Watanabe towards... um. Not just in, not just in, not just in approaching stories about music, but also in like portraying, um, you know, LGBTQ people as well. Like Carolyn Tuesday is is a very big next step for him. Oh yeah, like half because this is because this is not the last like LGBT rep we get this for the series. Like it's actually like like somewhat prevalent in the show. Like about half of the series is very queer as fuck, and I approve of it. Yes, absolutely. I love that about it. And also I do like that Marie just takes time to talk with the girls and she just puts over Gus as like a really, really good and genuine guy. Right, like right. Like if he sees talent in you, then you know you have talent because he has an eye for that kind of thing. Right, right. It really puts him over that he's not like, that he's, that he, that he is the real deal, you know. He is a genuinely nice person. He's not doing this to make a quick buck or anything. Like he really does this for the love of music. Like he's got heart and someone out, someone out there saw that in him. And it's just like, ah. So nice. Uh, so back with Angela and uh, Dahlia did some uh, digging up into Tao and found that he works in uh, works a lot in neuroscience and mind control, and that'll be a big thing with him later on in the series. But then Tao turns it around on her and says he found out found uh, some information on her as well that uh, her appearance actually is uh, due to the effects of the Mars environment. So we do see that uh, Dahlia is actually a trans woman. Right, right. That's that is that is a uh, quite nice that they uh, confirm that in some way. I kind of wish it wasn't like they didn't use the excuse of like, oh, the Mars environment is uh, turning you trans. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it can't just be it, it, like she can't just be a trans woman. Like, yeah, she can't have made that decision on her own. And like th- that's an excuse they use for another character in the series too later on. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'll still give you the points. I'll give you the points. Yeah. I'll still give you the points, Watanabe. But like, yeah, please. <laughs> you didn't need to kayfabe it. Yeah, you didn't. You don't need to kayfabe like like gender nonconformity. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't need to kayfabe uh, transness. Yeah, but uh, we also do find out that uh, Dahlia seems to have uh, assault charges on her record, so not really keeping her nose clean in the past. 
And also later, in a later episode, it's implied that uh, Angela actually doesn't live with her mother and that it's implied that the two may have, there may have been some abuse going on between them. Like, the relationship is not on the best of terms at times. Yeah. But Tao was able to get uh, 12 million Wulongs invested into Angela after one acapella performance. Questionable methods, but does get results. And we'll talk more about this song later, but uh, Angela, she's got some pipes on her. Mm, she does. Though, as good as she is, Tao's cold demeanor doesn't change one bit. He's just sit, staying there, arms folded, going all like, yeah, I knew she'd do that. <laughs> so, come on, Angela. My fucking tempo. I mean, he's trying, yeah, he's trying to make objectively good music here. He doesn't have time for, like, you know, any swan songs or anything. Like, even before, where, like, he's just setting her up to, you know, to get in tune. Like, she straps, he straps her to, like, a, a chair and then just starts poking and prodding at her throat and diaphragm and just trying to make her... Trying to get her perfectly in tune. Like, that that's how far he's willing to go with this. Mm-hmm. So, on to the next plan. Carol and Tuesday need to get a live gig. And Riley's able to get them that gig through an old friend named Beth who owns a bar. But they only get one song, and they're the opening act to another performer. Eh, beats nothing. That's the gig life for you. And they wow the crowd of ten people with a performance of Someday I'll Find My Way Home. Very, very cozy song here. Mm-hmm, Definitely. And to think, I like to think afterwards of this really good song, you know, just wowing everyone, thinking like, ah, oh, this is going to be a great moment. You know, we'll remember where we were when Carolyn Tuesday first performed in front of people. And I like to think afterwards they were just all like, ah, oh, this main event here kind of sucks. Bring bring back Carolyn Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I hope in the future they visit, that they play at that bar again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, go back, to, go back to your roots, you know, pay a little respect. Yeah. So good news, Gus books the girls' next big gig, and that's the main stage of the Cydonia Festival, named after the uh, Cydonia region of Mars. That's the one where you can find the big uh, face of Mars. And we do see that they actually do work the face into, like, the architecture and into the logo of the festival, which is nice. All these Mars references, they should have, like, a statue to Dr. Manhattan at yeah. some point. <laughs> big blue, big blue, co- big cobalt blue statue with a dick hanging out. Big swingy dingy. All over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would also accept uh, Mars University from Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a university on that planet. You know, and, just and, they accept, and they accept uh, intelligent monkeys to it. Yep. With the, it's on the hat. <laughs> well, yeah, basically this gig here is basically this show's equivalent to uh, Grateful Rock from Show by Rock or uh, Grateful Sound from Beck. Uh, it should be called uh, Grateful Cydonia. Keep the trend going. It, it kind of looks like Burning Man, if I'm being honest. A little bit, yeah. Just none of like the just none of the it's just it just it just doesn't have any of the uh, uh, giant wonky machines and like Silicon Valley douchebags and everyone naked, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, the girls are going there just to be a fill-in for uh, another performer named Yoshua, a singer who can keep his nose clean to say the least. He has a lot of uh, legal issues, but hey, girls, time to sink a swim. No pressure. And adding to that no pressure is the fact that Erdogan is going to be there too, and they have to avoid him since he's a little peeved about the whole blowing up his car for a shitty music video thing. <laughs> and also Tuesday setting off his fire alarm. He was pretty chill about the fire alarm compared to the car. Yeah, but as soon as he got the car back, he's all like, oh, those, those dreadful girls, I, I hope I never see them again. <laughs> and the girls are up since uh, Yoshua is in no condition to perform, and it goes about as well as you'd expect. Hey, you know that scene in Blues Brothers where they play at uh, Bob's Country Bunker? Think that, but more heartbreaking. 
Beer bottles, just beer cans being thrown. Beer cans, beer bottles. They don't have a chicken wire fence to protect them, unfortunately. And I don't think uh, singing Rawhide or Stand By Your Man is going to soothe this crowd. Yeah, no. And then Yoshua just shows up, boots them on stage, and just starts going into, like, full-on heavy metal. And it's just, it's kind of upsetting just seeing them backstage going, that was the worst thing ever. <laughs> but one person seemed to have liked it, though. And that person is Crystal, played here by Christina V, Christina Valenzuela. And this is the same Crystal that was mentioned uh, earlier in the series when they were talking about their uh, favorite music. They both love her as she's the ne- the big top star in all of Mars. And she's like the Beyonce of Mars. Ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she commends the girls for not running away despite the crowd turning on them. And getting praise from Crystal turns this negative into a super positive. Like, it's always great getting comments from your uh, from your idol there. They even have a chance encounter with, um, like, one of her old uh, collaborators, too. Some guy named, like, Slick or something. Uh, Skip. Skip. Yeah, that's his name. And um, I really didn't want you to skip over that one, because uh, <laughs> uh, his his vocals are all done by, uh, holy shit, Thundercat. Yep. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Thundercat is really good. <laughs> like, as soon as I, as soon as I heard that... Uh, that really smooth, high-pitched voice come up in, like, that bass plane. I, I had I had a moment where I was like, wait, no way. <laughs> they, oh my god, they got Thundercat in an anime! <laughs> Thundercat is in an anime, holy shit! That guy is awesome! <laughs> like, oh, you have me now, Carolyn Tuesday, you have me. You get, like, you get Thundercat in your show. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's the one thing the show needed more of. It needed more Thundercat, to be honest. Yeah, he doesn't appear much, but when he does, he does, he does, he does make good of his minutes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'll splice a bit of Thundercat here. I'm 
So after we move on from the Cydonia Festival here, Gus and Roddy have another idea. What's one way to make it big in a short amount of time, but with plenty of exposure from the get-go? Talent competition. So the girls have to get on Mars Brightest, or the Mars version of uh, American Mars Idol. Got, Mars Got Talent. Mars Got Talent, Mars Idol. <laughs> <laughs> and this whole upcoming arc brought a lot of memories to me of the heyday of talent competition shows. Yeah, like I, I, I admit, I like I was, I was never fond of them too much, like growing up. But like every now and then, I would catch a little bit of one. I have a lot of <clears> nostalgia <throat> for this, especially uh, America's Got Talent, because I remember spending lots of summers down in Florida watching uh, the newest episode each week with my mom and brother, mm. and we would be into it, following who gets voted off, who's who has the best performance this week, and honestly, most of it's just singing, even though it's a talent competition, but. It's still entertaining at the time. Right, right. Like, every now... Like, yeah, like, I'll admit, like, some of those, like, acts on there have, like, uh, gone on to just do some, like, other great things. That's the thing I liked about it more. I, I'd i say between, like, that and American Idol, I liked uh, America's Got Talent a bit more. More more so for the variety, but also because you actually saw some of those people on the show kind of more do other things, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, they do actually... Like, every now and then, you, you could reasonably come across, like, an act somewhere in, like, Chicago or New Orleans or Vegas... Someone who has actually been on America's Got Talent, and it's like, oh, that's that's kind of cool, I guess. Like, that's not too bad. I do remember that they tried to have some of the acts do, like, a different variety of different performances. Like, there was one act where they were uh, gymnasts, but then for their uh, second performance, they uh, did a little musical performance where uh, the lead girl was playing the piano upside down. Right, suspended right. Suspended in midair. You saw more weirder stuff on, like, uh, America's Got Talent. Yeah. That, and I kind of liked it more for that. Also, Although, it's, like, uh, the only competition where, like, a puppeteer can win at the very end. Right, right. That's that's actually pretty amazing. Yeah. Also, the prize is a bit more... I would say it's better than, say, like, a recording deal from, like, American Idol, where for winning America's Got Talent, you just get, like, a live show in Vegas. Right, right. Where, like, yeah, you can just take, do, the, do that there, take it on the road, whichever, you know, you're not... You're not uh, handcuffed to, like, a contract that'll probably fuck you over in years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Carolyn Tuesday aren't the only ones competing as Angela is getting in on the competition. And thanks to that $12 million investment, she can skip the regional qualifiers. Not our girls, though. They gotta go through them. And the show perfectly captures the kind of weirdos and characters you'd see during these rounds on American Idol or America's Got Talent. And they don't even skimp out on, like, the, the singers during, like, the tryouts, either. No, like... We get puppets, like a little marionette puppet, like singing, <laughs> singing metal. Get like a rock and roll shamisan player. Like, yeah, this is like pretty cool, actually. Like, they really went through the effort to like really make all this like crappy talent look really interesting. Even the unique. robot comes back. <laughs> <laughs> Though I think my favorite one is a uh, Skrillex Granny. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit, that's great. Just this old lady just doing. <laughs> you know, I, I know Susan Boyle can sing I Dream a Dream and do it beautifully, but uh, can she sing Buddy Murphy's WWE entrance theme? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> can she can she sing Bangarang? <laughs> can she go... <laughs> Take that, AI music. Yeah. <laughs> I can do your job for you. <laughs> and it, it's like they all saw all the viral failed auditions from the talent shows and thought, how can we make this funnier? And then Carolyn Tuesday auditioned, but uh, Tuesday's trying to hide her face and she's a runaway. And that all that amounts to is just her putting on uh, Joey Janela sunglasses and calling herself Monday. <laughs> 
Oh, so here, your name is Tuesday. Which is it? Well, uh, sometimes it's Monday, and sometimes it's Wednesday. <laughs> uh, but then we get more insight into Carol's life as it's uh, once again brought up that she grew up in a refugee camp. But uh, we find out that uh, the camp was actually on Earth, so she immigrated from Earth to Mars, and uh, she never knew her parents. All she knows is that she was uh, left on the doorstep of a church, and that was it. She's had it rough, but uh, to her, it's not really bothering her. It's just all normal, but as we see, this is still get brought up more and more to cause her to think about it a bit more. And it does lead to a nice scene afterwards where uh, Tuesday wants to be more open about herself. She wants to support Carol more, not make everything about her. And they actually come up with, like, a very cute, cool, cute handshake, too. <laughs> Even getting help from the laundromat guy to help him out with it. Aww. And later on, they find out that they're making it to the main Mars Brightest competition. And so the day of the quarterfinals arrive for Mars Brightest. And the competition is set to begin with eight acts. Carolyn Tuesday and Angela are the two we already know about. But uh, we only get a glimpse of them at first. But some of the rest of the, the acts... These are some characters right here. I know. I, I don't think we can get to, like, all of them, but, like, all the other acts are, like... Like, they, they actually... They, they also put effort into making these other acts actually really fantastic in parts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we made our judges. Uh, Catherine, played here by Roberta Lemons. Benito, played here by Doug Erholtz. And Shakti, the robo-puppy, played here by David Vincent. <laughs> Which is basically uh, the Simon Cowell, Apollo Duel, and Randy Jackson of the show. Right. And unlike real TV talent shows, uh, Mars Brightest will be done in uh, tournament bracket style instead of voting off one contestant at a time. And uh, we see some of the earlier acts here, like one of the first acts is uh, the Fire Brothers versus uh, Piotr, where uh, the Fire Brothers are just a couple of 99-year-old heavy metal guys. <laughs> and they actually do rock out, though I think they're slowly dying at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Shaving years off their life with every strum of their guitar. They just go, they're just all like, it's worth it. <laughs> and Piotr, played here by my boy, Eric Scott Kimmerer. And uh, we see him before, but uh, he really shows who he is as he's a big, super popular, bubbly Instagram influencer. And he's 100% sincere and genuine with how he acts. Like, there's no fakeness about him. Right, right. Like, he's, he's actually kind of charming in a weird way. And I love his catchphrase, the pow, pow. <laughs> And then uh, Carolyn Tuesday go up against this one guy, uh, OG Bulldog, played by Armin Taylor, who is uh, a allegedly a former drug dealer, gang member, even surviving after getting shot 12 times. And his musical style is uh, rap crossed with opera. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I actually kind of dug it. It kind of works. It was gimmicky, but like, yeah, I kind of dug it. I would love to see someone try to do that in real life. <laughs> Though it comes to light later that uh, he wasn't in a gang or a drug dealer, you know, his mom's just all like, oh, he's such a nice boy. Uh, drug dealer? No, he worked at a drugstore. <laughs> a gang? Oh, I, I don't know about that. And then just immediately gets like... Immediately just tanks the street crib. Yeah. <laughs> but then uh, Carolyn Tuesday, they give us a big song, uh, Whispering My Love, which is able to gain them uh, entry into the semifinals, which is another good song. You are looking out the window, hoping you would disappear. You are singing to yourself. Mm -hmm. Till I heard you sing the song, and yeah, I heard you, so I sang a 
And with their style of non-AM music, it's making them stand out the most. And that's their hook. It gets the crowd and the judges on their side. In fact, like, the only technological thing about them is the fact that Carol uses a keyboard. Exactly. They're like the gearless Joes of exactly. <laughs> singing. Going back to Gus being non-boo. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, another me- old mentor that's working with a technologically, uh, like, de-advanced uh, uh, group. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the rest of the quarterfinals, like, we then start to get into some real fun weirdos. Like, uh, GGK, played by Mela Lee, who is a living, breathing acid trip. (laughs) She is a vessel connected to the universe only when she sings, and during the performance, she is dead and only revives when she stops singing. And she probably started a cult on the side. (laughs) Probably a little bit. (laughs) And she claims to be, uh, 13 billion, 800 million, and 22 years old. So so she's like Sun Ra, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, move over, Chris Statlander. There's a new alien on the block. Yeah, except I don't think it's I don't think it's an act this time. <laughs> no, she 100 buys into herself, <laughs> and her performance is just so weirdly hypnotic. Like I couldn't look away. It's it, for, compared to like how she is. Like it's actually like kind of what you'd expect. <laughs> yeah, I do like the gimmick of her uh, outfit uh, changing into like stars and space with like every performance. Right. That's that's cool. That's cool. But after her. We get the real main event. The Mermaid Sisters, played here by Armin Taylor, Keith Silverstein, and Ray Chase. And they give us Galactic Mermaid by Yuri Kuriyama. Fucking splicey. Fucking bullshit. Fucking bullshit. Fucking bullshit. Holy shit. Oh, fucker. <laughs> Incredible. I love this so much. I was like. Like, I was trying, like, I didn't it. Like, I was trying to look for, like, the joke is, like, are they just transcribing, like, is is the joke that it's, like, really, like, nasty, like, rap lyrics or something, like, put over, like, a barbershop doo-wop or something? Or is the joke literally just, like, they just, they just curse a whole lot <laughs> as barbershop do it, as, as a barbershop quartet? I think it's just them cursing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of just, like, I think that's kind of just the breath of the joke, but, like, Man, it actually kind of, like, weirdly works. It works. (laughs) Like, you do not see it coming. Yeah. (laughs) And also, the Mermaid Sisters, like, gender fluid as fuck. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) And I love them. Uh, like, 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 true, true moxie, like, coming out here in, like, these, like, mermaid idol costumes and just, like... With, like, with, like, no pretext. Like, like, no, no pretension whatsoever. Just... Like, thinking that, like, barber t- barbershop quartet cursing is going to win over the public. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is, like, the, this is, like, the pirate rap, like, act. You would see it, like, <laughs> you would see it, like, a ta- like at these count- talent competitions. Like, this is wonderful. 
like everything about the scene is just so perfect and like it just the cuts to the crowd and the judges where they're just all like mouth agape can't believe what's going on here this is, this would be like if like Buff Carell like joined the competition <laughs> and tried to sing. The better of my work. He needs to have like his mirror in front of him and his camera off to the side. He's got to have that on stage with him. Be completely shirtless too. Yes, exactly. And not face the crowd. Or to be like that one glasses ge- glasses wearing guy on like YouTube who just does covers of songs, but the, he replaces the lyrics with like Smash Mouth. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, be like uh, Tongo. <laughs> Tongo. Yes. <laughs> Singing popular songs in his like thick accent. <laughs> uh, how did this group not advance any further? Uh, just Catherine. She's just so filled with rage that she just immediately stops him and gives the win to GGK. <laughs> And the sisters get so mad, they just start smashing up the stage and they have to go to commercial. <laughs> oh, and I can't forget this. Uh, this song here, actually, now forever immortalized as the ending theme to uh, Botchamania. Yes, it's, 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 it was a... Uh, uh, Matthew doesn't do a whole lot of stuff on, the, on that series with anime, but, like, man, that's... That one, that's, like, that's a keeper. It's perfect because fucking bullshit is what... The Iron Sheik said in uh, the famous <laughs> shoot interview where he's talking to his drug dealer. Yes, exactly. It's perfect. <laughs> you had someone out there made like a, uh, a mashup where it's Iron Sheik and the Mermaid Sisters. Man, to think I went all this time without, like, hearing that song and not knowing where the hell it came from. And then I get, like, the whiplash of hearing it (laughs) in Carolyn Tuesday. And the realization comes to me. Wow. Like, that was an experience. That's where it comes from. I did not see that coming. I really did not. Like, you think you just you just finished watching an episode of Botchamania, and that's it. <laughs> like, when did I turn on to YouTube? Holy shit, that hit me like a brick. <laughs> one of the next contestants here, a uh, pretty important one, is uh, Sybil, played here by Laura Stahl, who has been making her presence known by getting really, really, really creepy around Tuesday, as uh, she's super obsessed with her to a very scary degree. Red flags everywhere. Like, it comes across first like she's just coming on too strong to Tuesday. Like, okay, tone it back, girl. Like, <laughs> Tuesday has to take in, like, all, like, this entire competition. She doesn't have time to consider a potential girlfriend. And uh, and, that, and then, like, later on, like, Sybil, like, gets, like, expects way too much out of Tuesday. Like, oh, can you give me a hug or something? Yeah, can I can I just, like, bite your neck and mark you for later? Yeah, a hickey. Yeah, yeah, thanks, girlfriend. <laughs> Stocks her online and then sends her, like, numerous text me- messages, like the kind of, you up, you up, you up. Y- yeah, yeah, it's 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 getting really creepy with Sybil. And she wants to form a duo with twos that, you know, push Carol to the side, only she and her can be together. I know, it's like, uh, come on, like, are you really doing this right now? Shame, too, because she's actually a good singer. Yeah, and uh, she uh, sings in French the song La Ballade. Oh, like, yeah, actually, like, a really good, really, got a really good singer for her. Yeah, very good. (laughs) 
unfortunately, she's going up against Angela, and Angela wows us with uh, her big song here. And uh, before we get to her song, uh, I want to bring up uh, her, uh, how uh, Dahlia is in the crowd supporting her and the little mini rivalry she has with Gus. <laughs> Where they're just going back and forth going, on, like, uh, my girl's going to beat your girl. It's like, oh, really? Oh, well, what are you doing here? Are you going to check out my girl? And it's like, no, I'm checking out the other competition. And then she goes, like, oh, the Mermaid Sisters, you're checking out them? They're, 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 two, they're two perfect characters to really clash against each other. At one point, they, like, puts, they put poor Roddy in between the both of them. <laughs> Please don't bring that guy in here. No, just keep him out of your feud. <laughs> if you want to settle it out back, just go and settle it out back. The competition will still be here when you get back. <laughs> and then Angela takes the stage and gives us the song Move Mountains by your singer, Elisa. And Alice Plessy in this one, too. Everything is hard to do the first time. But if a little make me stronger, I'll get up and try again. I will follow my dreams forever, long as we'll be together. Through the storms and bad weather, you'll make me better. If I believe I can do anything, I can move mountains, I can move mountains If I believe I can do anything I can move mountains, I can move mountains If you're in need, no, I'll be your friend I can move mountains, I can move mountains, yeah Anything the world goes at us, I'll be by your side So we make it up and everything's all It's 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 a good for it's a good for it's a good like first song to really ingratiate you into Angela's singing style. Yeah, like we heard the acapella version before, but like hearing it with the full backing track, like it's powerful. Like holy shit, it makes you believe that she can actually go places. And the crowd gives her a big standing ovation too. Like even Catherine, who's been kind of a hard ass this whole time, gives her a big, big rousing endorsement. And I remember when I first heard this song, like, like I would find myself at work or in everyday life just going. If I believe I can do anything, I can move mountains, I can move mountains. Like, oh, it's it's really catchy. It's so catchy. A lot of this music in the series is really fucking, like, catchy. It is. <laughs> like I said, the most well-produced stuff out of anything we saw during the series. I feel like this is, so, this is like, probably the best, like, OST to, like, any anime we've watched. Like, it's definitely up there. And so, Angela moves mountains on her way to the semifinals. And uh, Sybil, she's not too upset about the loss, and she's still got Tuesday, right? Well, <laughs> Tuesday finally, but sweetly, tells her to back off a little, and then Sybil's all like, oh, fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, she's pissed, and it's not gonna end well. And the semis are set as uh, Angela takes on GGK, and Piotr takes on our girls, Carolyn Tuesday. And to add more excitement, uh, this round onwards features a guest judge. Who is he? DJ Erdogan! Hey! <laughs> I love his reaction to seeing Carolyn Tuesday when they're announced. He's just, 
just stands up and just goes, Ah! <laughs> he even sets him up for the uh, easy gag when he says, uh, let's see if anyone here can catch me off guard. Uh, what, ma- what makes it even funnier is, like, really, like, he got into this without even knowing who is in the competition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did he not watch it every week? Fucking stupid man. <laughs> I guess they don't pay him to watch each ep- episode. <laughs> and as the semis go on, Angel is able to move more mountains and beat GGK. And uh, Tao, who was actually watching there, is able to come up with a strategy to combat the space aliens' otherworldly performance. And she beats her with the song, All I Want. So Angela was able to win by switching up the style, which uh, GGK didn't do for her second performance. Showing that versatility got her some uh, brownie points with the crowd. Mm, good strategy. Genius move from Tao here. And speaking of which, around this time, this is where the relationship between the two start to get oddly fascinating here. Where Angela hasn't really shown much interest in most things other than her music career, generally cold towards others. But Tao is kind of different. And, like, this is even a big part of her character where, like, she's taking real interest in this guy and, like, how he's helping her. And you also see, like, one of the ways the AI helps is that uh, the AI analyzes Angela's personal feelings, like, in the moment when she's in the room and then converts that into lyrics for a song. It's not big enough to be, like, a friendship, but it's, like, an understanding that kind of comes to, that comes kind of comes out. Angela definitely kind of wants something more out of this relationship, though. But Tao is just, he can't be bothered. Right. So after her Piotr performs, Carol and Tuesday are up. But first, we got trouble here. As Tuesday finds a present for her, and when she opens it, it burns her hands. Looks like it might have been filled with some dry ice or something, but it's it messes her hand up really bad. Oof. Like, this is super, super fucked right here. And Tuesday is left completely unable to play. She can't even hold her guitar. Like, holy shit, could have been, like, a bomb or something. <laughs> yeah, or, like, dry ice bomb or something like that. Just, holy shit. It's, what, the year, like, 49 on Mars? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, we don't check for these things? You don't have, like, security gates or something? <laughs> so, it looks like we have another mystery on our hands as, uh, what kind of sick monster freak out there would want to hurt Tuesday? And they actually do play up the mystery here quite well as Angela gets, gets involved by making... And it makes her paranoid, thinking all like, is it her mother or is it uh, her new manager, Katie? Like, are they just sat, intentionally sabotaging other people to help her out? Do they not believe that she can win on her own? Like, it's actually really well done, but it's... They actually do do these red herrings very well. Yeah, they actually do a good job of trying to connect, it, connect like, the conflict to uh, Angela and, like, to Carolyn Tuesday and vice versa. Like, Angela, when she confronts her mom, she's all like, how could you do this? And then Dahlia's all like, well, I just wanted to make you happy, you know. Every, everything I do is for you. And she's all like, you sicken me. And it's like, okay, we'll ne- we won't talk about the Durian Soda commercial anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's what you're talking about. But before we find out the culprit, the girls pull an Angela and switch things up a bit. And uh, they just go in with uh, piano and vocals for the song Lost My Way, which is a very nice song, too. And definitely a big moment here for Carol as uh, her past is wrought up again, like getting her to think about it more and even expressing it on live TV, which will come up later. Mm, Yeah, the the song like serves a dual purpose in that regard as well, like really bringing up this this element of Tuesday's background that is uh, seriously going to come in later. And for Carol, like, uh, this is the moment where, like, she's been kind of uh, supporting Tuesday for the most part when it comes to their music, but here, this is where she takes center stage the most, you know, not being being the backup. She is front and center right here. And against all odds, our girls are able to squeak out a win. And they get a big endorsement from Catherine as well. 
you know, they stole her heart and they were able to get across their feelings through their music. And uh, Catherine, even though uh, Pyotr lost, she shows that she's a big supporter of him too and even says that uh, she will follow him on Instagram going forward. So it's a bit of a pow-pow as well. <laughs> so, time to find out the culprit. Who's been messing up everything? It was Sybil all along. <laughs> as they were able to find out that she was the one who did the dry ice present as... Uh, we saw her skulking around in the background to one of uh, Pewter's live streams, which we could see earlier on, if you if you had the eagle eye there. Mmm, nice detail. So, all is good now, right? Well, <laughs> Tuesday <laughs> then gets taken away by goons. I heard goons. Sent by Valerie, her mother. Ah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Tuesday's been getting spied upon by her brother all this time. He's yeah. been keeping track of where she's been at. Yeah, Spencer, played by Robbie Damon. Like, even at one point, finding them at that uh, bar where they sang that song, but decided not to go after her, thinking that she's happy here. So yeah, big drama rolling down the line here, as Tuesday is confined to her room for a week and is sure to miss the Mars' brightest finals. Uh, missing the finals, being separated from your girlfriend, this is the worst birthday ever. <laughs> And Carol's even resigned herself thinking that this is for the best and just gives up. And it's like, no, come on. <laughs> but with a little motivation from Gus, Carol isn't going to let it end like this. And Gus gives us a great line where he's all like, well, I'm going to head out. There's somebody i got to go kidnap right now. Want to come with? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gus, I love you. I love him. And no hesitation, Carol's just all in on this. She's all like, yes, let's go. <laughs> and yeah, three straight anime here where... Featuring uh, two leads with uh, unbreakable bonds here, you know. You had Koyuki and Ryusuke and Beck, uh, Kaoru and Sentaro, and Kids on the Slope. Now we got Carol and Tuesday. Perfectly lining all three of them up together. Yeah, that's a basis for a good anime, you know. You get a good, like, couple of characters and, like, you're set in gold. Where's your unbreakable duo, show by Rock? <laughs> now you had Cyan and Retorine, as much as I like that, it wasn't on this show's level. <laughs> anyway, let's get our Tuesday back. And uh, Tuesday is even getting help from her brother Spencer, too. And uh, they get her out, and they race back to Mars Brightest for the finals. And also, uh, Carol gives Tuesday her birthday present, a nice little guitar pin. Aww. Yeah, it's a real gift, not that dry-eyes shit Sybil did. <laughs> and at the finals, Angela sings out her feelings with Light of Fire, another powerful and perfect song for Angela Aww, here. yes. Loneliness, you're tied around my wrist When all I ever wanted was this all I ever wanted was this Sleepless nights Always seem to lose these fights Building up my thoughts like bricks But nothing in my blood says quit When the lights go out And I'm all by myself in the darkness When the lights go out I hear my heart beating the hardest
I'm all by myself in the darkness when the lights go out. I hear my heart beating the hardest. Oh, I was born to break these chains like a spark before the flames. Watch me light a Shit, that sounds like stuff you'd actually hear in, like, the modern music industry. Right? It's great. And it uh, definitely calls back to, like, an earlier conversation with uh, her and Tao. So, yeah, AI was listening to her. Our girls arrive at the last possible moment, but Catherine informs them that uh, because they weren't there at the start of the show, they have been officially DQ'd. But the girls want to at least perform despite knowing they can't win, because it's not about that anymore. It's about playing their music together and sharing it with the world. They gave us... The final full version of The Loneliest Girl.
So after hearing parts of the song earlier in the series, they gave us the big show-stopping perfected version of the song. It's so, so good. Like, I love how it starts off a little slowly, and then as it goes on, it's just big, powerful, like, Carol's just, like, banging right on the, <laughs> on her piano. Tuesday's really strumming hard on the dr on the guitar. It's so good. We've officially gotten to the uh, halfway point of the series, and um, it's a great song to leave out on. Like, the house has been sufficiently brought down. Even Erdogan is moved by their performance here. Aw, uh, he does have a heart. Aw. And Catherine is so moved that she tweaks the rules a little bit here. Officially, the winner of Mars Brightest is Angela, but Carolyn Tuesday will also be given a recording contract for, along with her. Great stuff here. Carolyn Tuesday are rewarded for their courage and heart, and even though she won, Angela gets uh, some more uh, self-doubts instilled within her. Like, she won, but it was on a technicality. She didn't actually beat them. Mm. It's a bit like uh, Endeavor becoming number one hero, not by beating All Might, but All Might retiring. Yeah, yeah, she still has a lot to prove. And prove she will in the second half. And with that, we're at the halfway point of the show, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the rest of Carolyn Tuesday and the conclusion of Summer of Music. to become a living marionette. Then I'm about to die of boredom. Fire. It's already creating quite the buzz. I finally found you. I want to pursue music with you. I was thinking that same thing. Today with you.
and we're back with the second half of Carolyn Tuesday. And we have a new opening and ending for the second half. Uh, the opening is Polly Jean by Nybrix and uh, Selena Ann. And the ending is Not Afraid by Elisa. Angela's singer getting in on the ending here. Yeah, just as good quality as the first uh, opening and endings. Yeah, I will say I, lo- I prefer the first opening to the second opening. Yeah. But it's still pretty good. And I do like the uh, second ending. Like, that's a really good song. Definitely. So, Carolyn Tuesday have made it big. Interviews, TV appearances, roving reporters getting comments from random citizens. Though, they do get harassed by some uh, rando punks here and there, too. But they get saved by a guy named Dan, played here by John Eric Bentley. More on this dude soon. So, they go to sign their contracts, but uh, Gus doesn't want them to sign. Instead, he wants to make them an indie act. As uh, after contract negotiations, Gus didn't like how their uh, contracts were very restrictive, didn't give him much freedom. They need to have that freedom, that creative control. You know, it's like choosing an AEW contract over a WWE one. It's kind of a smarter move here, too. Staying indie, like, they could actually do more without a contract. Also, if they had a Twitch account, I'm sure they'd be able to keep it. Mm, that is true. Angela's contract talks go exceptionally well, on the other hand, and she's making a cool $20 million to boot. So add that on with the $12 million earlier, it's, she's really racking in the money here. And meanwhile, Valerie's presidential campaign is fully underway, and here we see a lot of parallels with certain political ideologies. Especially during her rallies with the red signs and the fact that she's running on an anti-immigration platform. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All that's missing is her saying she wants to build a wall around Mars and make Earth pay for it. Exactly. <laughs> Second half should gets into some, gets into some places here. Yeah, like it actually starts to like kind of cash in on that whole um, uh, that whole like political angle that's going on here with Mars. And yet, Chuds online will still say anime is not political and not meant to be political. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but later on, Gus leads the girls to their new producer, a psycho with an axe living in the slums, introducing Toby, played here by Joe Demucci. And he's going to help the girls make some good shit, pal. <laughs> this guy, he knows how to make a first impression. He knows how to pick a favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> he loves saying shit all the time. <laughs> like he's an episode of AEW Dynamite. Just nothing but shit, shit, <laughs> shit, 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 shit. <laughs> and despite his crazy intensity, he's actually the real deal. Like he knows, ta- he knows talent. He knows good music when you hear it. You just gotta work with his bad attitude and sailor mouth. Yes. Also, at one point, it seems like the girls and Roddy find his weed stash. <laughs> like, they're at his place, and they see these plants, and he's all like, what are these plants for? <laughs> Come on, kids. You haven't seen weed on Mars? Yeah, Mars weed. That's gotta be real good stuff. Good shit, pal. <laughs> and with the help of Skip, uh, played here by Mari Williams, his band and the girls managed to record the next big hit, Army of Two. Another good song. Burning a bridge 
It takes 52 takes for them to get it right. <laughs> you wouldn't know it because the edit is very seamless, but it took them a while to get it right. It's what you gotta do in the realms of music. And it's the best shit they've ever done. <laughs> and while all this is going on, uh, Carol is actually getting crowds and crowds of people claiming to be her parents due to all the attention she got from Mars Brightest. And they're all just trying to mooch off of her. Like, I even I love at one point that she just straight up tells them, like, hey, I don't have any money, so you're not getting anything out of me. <laughs> like, oh, but did you sign your contract from Mars Rice? Like, no, we turned that down. Oh. But you're going to make money in the yeah, future, you're right? Make some. <laughs> <laughs> I even love that one of the parents are two white people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like,. You're not going to fool anyone. Like, come on. You're, you're, really, you're really, like, going there. It's like, maybe she's colorblind. <laughs> oh, but then Dan comes back and shoos the fake parents away. He even uses some Aikido there. And the two really hit it off. One morning, uh, they run into each other for one last time, and Dan tells Carol a story. A story about how he and his wife had a baby, but he got into some trouble. It wasn't self-defense, but... Uh, legal system wouldn't allow that so he went up behind bars his wife left the baby on the steps of a church and then died soon after 17 years later he's been granted parole when searching for his child found out that she was on mars mentions that uh, the child grew up in a refugee camp and it all starts to come to carol she starts to get the picture here dan's just here to get a glimpse of the daughter he never knew there it is that was pretty well done. Mm, damn. And I love how, like, it's a short reunion, but it's really effective, and I love how chill it is. Like, just no big moment where Carol's all like, Dad, it's you after all these years? She's all like, oh, you're here. And there's kind of the recognition that, like, no, like, we're, like, like things aren't, things aren't really gonna be, like, the same or anything. No, like, even Dan says that. He just, like, he's not here to, like, you know, be with her again or anything like that. He, he just like that time's to, passed. He just wants to see that she's doing well, and she is, so that puts him at peace. Mm-hmm. But they do promise to possibly see each other one day again, like once he's fully free. Bittersweet, but sweet nonetheless. Yeah. And that's one thing that the series does really well with the, like we mentioned earlier with Marie, these like very small moments here. Mm-hmm. It, the, the Carolyn Tuesday thrives very well in those moments. So, with their new single under their belts, the girls get an invite to meet one of the most legendary musicians on Mars. The eccentric, reclusive, NBAF, Desmond, played here by Patrick Seitz. They are only in the show for a short time, one-ish episodes, but they are pretty impactful in this appearance right here. Yeah, because I, I look back and, like, they have a very... Their, their presence in the series is very short, I guess it, I guess they do sort of uh, set the uh, stakes pretty well going forward about like what Carolyn Tuesday have to lose and what they have to gain, really. Yeah, and uh, I, I do want to bring up how like the first time we see them is uh, when the girls Gus and Roddy step into their giant egg-shaped greenhouse home. <laughs> they hear their dulcet tones as they sit confined to a wheelchair while a player piano accompanies them. And it just cuts to Gus, tears just flowing down his face. <laughs> this is just the most beautiful thing ever. Holy shit, like an actual, like, non-binary character. An actual non-binary character. Holy fuck. (laughs) And they actually say the word non-binary. They don't fucking puss out or anything. Yep. (laughs) Ah, thank you. Thank you. I mean, you still have that creepy, like, Mars angle that, like, it's mutating people to be, like, non-binary. Weird it's only Desmond and Dahlia. Yeah. More people. (laughs) 
Yeah, should there be a lot more, like, trans and non-binary people Shouldn't then? Mars be the most trans as fuck planet in the world? Yeah, like, that's that doesn't really follow here a little bit, but, like, holy shit, thank you. But, yes, this still, still very good. I still mm. love this. And Desmond, they just live quite the life where they just wake up every day and just sing to the plants in their home. And they just begin to muse about uh, life in music. You know, why do people sing? And how can we convey our feelings through our music? And that's the big thing that's set up here, conveying your feelings through music. Desmond, the most genuine musician in the whole series. And I love the thing where they... Where, say, they, where they treat music like it's life or death. Exactly. And I like how they say where, when it comes to conveying your feelings through music, you don't have to reach everyone. You just need to reach one person. And even if you end up reaching no one, so long as your feelings are genuine, you'll do just fine. Yes. And so Desmond informs the girls that they are slowly dying from an incurable illness, and soon they will leave their body. But before they go on to the next life, they serenade Carol, Tuesday, Gus, and Roddy with their final song, All I See. It's a really good scene. Mm. Just singing. <sighs> With, the, with, like, the robot saying, like, and they don't want to take their medication because their medication doesn't allow them to sing as powerfully as that. And as soon as they hit the final note, Desmond passes away peacefully. It's really well done. Like, holy shit. Picked a good day to die. Like, that's a, honestly a pretty cool way to go. Just singing peacefully in your home with your final audience right here. So, Carolyn Tuesday have learned their new single is now ranked at 53 on the charts. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. Angela's at number one, though. But still cool. Still cool. <laughs> so, in order to boost their popularity even higher, Gus signs the girls up for South by Southwest, which is a real event, by the way. Yeah, I was actually, like, second-guessing that myself. Like, wow, that actually sounds weirdly kind of real, like, familiar. Yes, yeah, and actually... Almost like I heard that before somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a massive convention that specializes with uh, film, media, music, and has been going on since 1987. And it's held every year in Austin, Texas, uh, aside from the last two years due to the you-know-what. And I guess in the future, they decided, you know what? Austin's a little blasé. We're taking this shit to Mars! <laughs> the next frontier for conventions. Yeah, Texas, Mars. After that, the entire universe! It's only even more exclusive now. Yeah. <laughs> After practice one night, the girls and Gus run into someone pretty important here. None other than Flora, the singer that Carol looked up to, and the one that Gus uh, first discovered, and played here by Rebecca Thomas. So Flora has had it rough the past several years, and her backstory is really, really super depressing. You just look at her and you think that if Carol and Tuesday had signed their contracts like she did, what happened to her could have happened to them. Mm -hmm. And that's probably like what Gus was thinking about with the uh, creative freedom and everything like that. Yeah, there's a very real danger when you look at Flora. As we see that she was had the highest of highs, was like one of the best singer-songwriters in all of Mars, but the pressure got to her. She didn't ha really have any friends, just people trying to mooch off of her, eventually turning to drugs and alcohol until eventually just losing it all and not even having a home to go home to. Like, it's sad. Feels way too real, too. Like, it it's is. Some, like, it's something that's happened, like, way too much in the real world. Even thinking about music just causes Flora a lot of pain. Like, Carolyn Tuesday would want to sing to her at one point, but she's just like, I, I don't want to hear anything. And she blames herself for everything that happened because she felt she betrayed Gus by leaving him and accepting this record deal. And, like, even their first meeting was so, was very, very sweet, too. 
where he just discovered her in this dingy cabaret bar, went to her backstage and thought like, I see big things in you. You are going to be a star and I want to help you. I want to be on the ground floor of Flora. But in the end, they actually do a really sweet thing for Flora where the girls cover one of her songs to help her fall in love with music again. The song, uh, Give You the World. So the girl's taking Desmond's words to heart, conveying your feelings through music. Not to everyone, but to one person. <laughs> the person is Flora. Aww. Ah, it's so good. Uh, it's very sweet, but you know what's not sweet? Erdogan going broke. Actually, it is kind of sweet. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, couldn't have happened to a funnier guy. <laughs> so how did he go broke? Well, first off, he invested in cryptocurrency. <laughs> Fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, if this were made a couple of years later, it would have been NFTs. Or no, I think it was. I think it was something like he had invested. I think it was. Just, it was just by happenstance that he invested in crypto. But like his um, his robot uh, assistant, like, kind of made off with all his money. And I guess they don't. I don't think they specifically single out like crypto as being like the downfall of him or anything. Or he did mention the robot. Did mention that he was his uh, crypto was starting to go up and up in uh, price. And then the next day, he lost everything, and we see that the robot just up and ran with all of his money. Okay, so then afterwards, he lost all his money in crypto. Yeah. <laughs> didn't re- the robot didn't realize how volatile of a market it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is why you don't invest in Dogecoin. You just invest in MGF coin. And it's interesting, we just had Flora, who made it big, lost everything, and it was genuinely sad and depressing. 
But then it's followed up by Erdogan, who's a big star, lost everything, and it's kind of hilarious. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing the uh, the Baron Corbin gimmick after he lost King of the Ring. He's, he's bum-ass Erdogan. <laughs> Who am I? Bum-ass Erdogan! <laughs> But it's really getting to him, though. Like, he's actually, like, lost sight of, like, who he is. He's even like, don't even call me Erdogan. Like, Erdogan was the one who was on stage before. Of the world at his fingertips. I don't know who I am. <laughs> he doesn't know who he is. Does not have everyone to tell him? It's tragic in a really funny way. It's super hilarious. <laughs> Can't even make music without, like, his AI that he lost in all the money. No, he has to, like, learn how to play the piano again. <laughs> Like, even at one point, we see that in his past, he used to actually be, like, kind of a real musician. He played the keytar. Keytar! <laughs> That's great. It was, like, in some kind of hair band, too. <laughs> <laughs> like, people are just, like, digging up shit on his past, going all like, man, this guy's a fucking loser. And then, like, at one point, he starts talking to visions of himself, you know, who he wants, who he aspires to be, saying, all like, you're not Erdogan. And yet he talks to another part of himself that actually kind of hypes himself up about him. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it takes a while, but, like, he actually does kind of, like, come back around, like, on his own. It does, and then he does confront the uh, AI assistant who stole his money, and it's this little Pinocchio robot. And it does the Pinocchio thing where he's all like, oh, I just wanted to have fun, be a real boy. Nose grows longer. (laughs) And then Erdogan's just like, I don't have time for your shit, and just kicks him into the stars. And that's how Erdogan got his groove back. Yeah, he got his smile back. And he comes up with a new song, and all he needs is a vocalist, and that's Angela. Ah, good comeback move. Get the hottest, like, new singer out there. And then he's trying to make a deal with Tao, and Angela's all like, Boys, boys, you can both have me. <laughs> but uh, I also love how he uh, promo- he plugs his new song to Tao. He doesn't have a keyboard, because Tao doesn't have any instruments lying around. It's all AI. So he's all like, okay, uh... He beatboxes. Kind of goes something like that. (laughs) And that was enough to impress Tao. He's all like, all right, let's do this. Uh, Great. It's such a great partnership. Uh, Meanwhile, while recording their first album, Carol and Tuesday get word that they're getting another shot at the Cydonia Festival. A real shot. Not like that fake shot earlier where they have to fill in for another act. Aha, now who's laughing? People who threw beer cans and bottles at us headliners yeah you're not laughing now (laughs) though while all this is going on valerie's campaign is really ramping up and she's going hard on the anti-immigration message and unfortunately it's working and that's dishearteningly unsurprising and a journalist named kyle played here by ben lepley tries to dig up dirt on valerie which leads him to tuesday here as he's been uh, trying to get interviews with her for a while until she finally decided to agree to one He's hoping to get any info on Valerie that can bring down her campaign because things could get really, really bad if she continues her momentum. And as the two stay in contact, Tuesday starts to become interested in him, mainly due to the fact that uh, he seems to understand her feelings as he provides a sympathetic ear. And meanwhile, while this is going on, a weather plant is actually bombed by some unknown people. This incident, along with uh, Valerie's hardline stance on immigration from Earth, stirs up public opinion a bit here. Too real. Too real. Oof. Like, real clear parallel of recent politics, and it's not, and it's gonna get even more real with these final batch of episodes. And I don't want to bring up that, uh, we do get a wrap-up with the whole Tuesday and Kyle angle, as Tuesday is starting to get interested in him in a bit, but then she finds him with his girlfriend, 
and then that kind of breaks her heart a little bit. You know, she started to fall in love, but he's with someone else, and now she's sad. If I could fault the series for anything, I... It's honestly this whole thing with Tuesday and Kyle. Yeah, it doesn't really go anywhere. It does. <laughs> like, it's resolved very quickly. It kind of... It's resolved as soon as it happens, and Kyle does appear for a few episodes, but, like, Tuesday being interested in it in him only just happens as soon as it ends really yeah yeah it's 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 like yeah like it doesn't really compare to like any moment earlier because it doesn't feel like really any like out of the it doesn't really feel any more special than any because it only really results in like you know to tuesday confiding in carol like oh i'm sad like well i'm here for your girlfriend like don't worry but it's like that like a scene like that could have happened with like any previous stuff before it doesn't feel like anything new i mean you already kind of had it with the mars brightest stuff yeah it's like you didn't really need that angle with kyle here i don't really know what they were kind of going for but like if i could fault anything it's this because otherwise the series is practically perfect really yeah so let's finally get back to angela as a lot has been going on with her since she signed her big deal as Tao has gotten really super shady and went ahead and made an Angela AI program without her knowledge or consent. He definitely doesn't care one bit about her, and as soon as he has her talent, he'll just presumably toss her aside. And Angela even calls him out on it, and he doesn't deny it. And also the song uh, we hear the Angela AI sing here is actually the ending for the second half, so uh, kind of relating back there here. Oh, dang. And another thing that's been going on with her is, uh, like Tuesday at, during Mars Brightest, She's been dealing with a stalker. However, unlike Sybil, this guy called the Black Knight is much more dangerous and willing to go as far as attempted murderer to keep other guys away from Angela. He's much more calculating this one. Like, at one point, even, uh, connecting to a self-driving car and running a guy over. Jeez. And just sending her just, like, really, really creepy messages over, like, Instagram and text, somehow getting her number and spying on her every single movement. Like, she can't even have a moment of peace without this guy knowing. Not playing here. No, 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 no. And we see how he did it as he managed to hack into her AI pet to spy on her. And, like, he did it so well that the cops didn't even notice when they uh, checked the pet. Yeah, Tao was the one who had to sniff to sniff that out. Yeah, he just noticed the pet and he's like, hold on. Gets a look at it, breaks into it a little bit, destroys the whole, just destroys the little thing. And finds recorded video of just, like, Angela lounging around in her underwear. So yeah, some real scary shit going on with her. And this is the point from the show where she goes from being, like, the main rival, main heel, to, to probably the most sympathetic character in the entire show. Right, right. Like, like they really go hard into uh, Angela in these later episodes. And so, the Cydonia Festival is officially underway, and the big worry is that uh, the Black Knight will show once Angela gets on stage for a bum-ass Erdogan song. So we have a lot of drama piling up. The stalker, Erdogan's big comeback, like, he even, like, almost collapses on stage before he hypes himself up once again. <laughs> Such it? an Erdogan move. It is, it is just all, like, curls up to, into a ball, like, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. Wait, who am I? I'm Erdogan! <laughs> Gets the crowd hyped up for it. And everyone's like, all like, ah, oh, that's, that's, that's a really good in-character, like, comeback moment. It's so perfect. It's like... Again, you don't feel sorry for him for what happened before that. You're just all like... Right, because he's still vain, even as he's, like, trying to help help himself back he's up. He's still a jackass. Yeah, he is. But, like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> just like... Just something likable about it. It's, like, I admire your tenacity. <laughs> so right before Angela gets on stage, it seems like the Black Knight has been tracked down. Or has he? No, they found a decoy. 
and Tao figures this out and catches the real Black Knight who managed to sneak with his way on stage right before he was about to shoot Angela. <laughs> Back to John Lennon this. Yeah. <laughs> Even he even had a copy of Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bet just somewhere out there, uh, Sybil's probably thinking all like, shooting? Ouch. I know I burned my girl with dry ice, but this is a bridge too far. <laughs> and Tao makes the big save, disarms the guy, and he actually, it seems like he actually does care. Yeah, what the heck? Tao actually manages to like disarm him from with a sonic device? And yeah. It's like, wow, Tao, that was... That was actually really bad. That is actually kind of a cool moment from him. Wow, like, did not see that coming from you. Does this mean you actually care about Angela? I mean, to Angela it certainly comes across like that. Definitely does, to her. So Angela's performance goes off without a hitch, and with a big bombastic performance, no less, taking, like, the two fun characters in the show, her and Erdogan, and doing, like, just the perfect mashup together. And Carolyn Tuesday followed up with their Sidonia Redemption, Message in the Wind. There's a place beyond the furthest cloud. There's a message in the wind. When you dream that big and you're not afraid to live. There's a place where all the stories begin. Begin. I love their just calm subtleness of this. Like, they wanted to go in with, like, a big performance to rival Angela, but then they saw her and they were like, you know what? What you do, that's not us. We're not going to show you up. 
We're just we're just gonna play our music. Just gonna just gonna sit down on the stage, have our backup band like do snaps of the fingers, sitting crisscross applesauce. Yep, and we're just gonna sing our hearts out. And no toss beer bottles. Successful performance, and a performance that's just one hundred percent them, one hundred percent genuine. It's perfect. So following Cydonia, Carol and Tuesday have been nominated for a Grammy. I guess in the future the Grammys actually have taste, and they move to Mars. <laughs> Probably still lose to Bieber or something. <laughs> Bieber AI. And Angela's been nominated too, so the competition is pretty stiff. Though there's another artist on this list, and it's someone Carol seems to know. Someone she also ran into at Sidonia, but kind of brushed her off a bit. Let's meet this guy. Introducing Ezekiel, or, or as Carol knows him, Amer, played here by my boy, Zeno Robinson. <laughs> they were childhood friends back at the refugee camp, and now he's made it big as a rapper on Mars. What the fuck? Is, his singing voice is Denzel Curry? Yep, Denzel Curry. The fuck? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Damn, another big name. Holy shit! <laughs> he's really good in this series too. I know, and he's actually bringing in good, 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 good rhymes to this, uh, to his performance in this one. So the two reunite, but uh, Amir tells Carol that he's just Ezekiel now, and since he and her are immigrants, things are going to get much more difficult with for them with the whole Valerie thing. That's also something interesting. They actually tie that in with like the the immigrant, like the uh, anti-immigration like problems that are like coming up on Mars. Yeah, that's really yeah. good. And he wants to use his music to rise up against all the immigration hate that's been brewing thanks to Valerie. Ah, but he's also, like, it's also bad because he's trying to willingly forget about Carol, too, and he's forgetting where he comes from. And he doesn't want her to get her involved. Ah, that's so strong. And I got a splicey in his big song, Crash the Server, which is one big shot against the whole anti-immigration platform. song right here mm, yeah i love it the visuals too of them smashing tvs with valerie on them just breaking everything this is the martians straight out of compton yeah <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile tau gets into some serious trouble as valerie's campaign wants to use his ai tech to and research to assist in the campaign he refuses and they make him pay using his uh, shady background they were able to arrest him and he left angela with the ai made for her the people behind the campaign are stirring up a lot of shit, and it looks like they aren't going to stop. 
At one point, Ezekiel and his group are arrested by mice. Yeah. As in Mars ice. Yeah. Too fucking real. You know, call me crazy, but I think Watanabe's trying to tell us something here. <laughs> so everything's kind of fucked. You know what else is fucked? Angela's life. Because it's about to go downhill here. So after a big argument over the AI, Dahlia suffers a heart attack and is now in a coma. Oh. Also, during their argument, Dahlia reveals that Angela is actually adopted. They aren't related by blood. Oh, heart attack. You picked a right you picked the worst time for this. Uh yeah. Real life fucking sucks. Mm. And now she's more alone than ever before. And just the thought of her being adopted, like, she even looks up her birth records, having no records of who her biological parents are, where she came from, anything before Dahlia adopted her. It's really, really messing with her head, just wondering what, who is she really? She needs to reckon, and it's a point where in the story where she needs to reckon, like, wow, those really were the only two people I had in my life. And she pushed them away. Like, she even else had that one girl, Katie Kimura, and she just pushed her away, too. Yeah. She's even falling into drugs, as we see at one point she has a mountain of pills and painkillers and stuff. At this point in the story, she just starts, like, speedrunning the plot of Perfect Blue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she even starts, like, hallucinating, like, her old, like, uh, rabbit-like robot companion. Yeah, the busted rabbit telling us a little bit more about her life, where, it's saying, where we find out that uh, she never went to school, she never had any friends, everything she's ever done in her life was just all the child star stuff that Dahlia had her do. Ooh, holy shit. She hasn't had a real life at all. No, not really. And all she has left is this, is what? This AI copy of herself that's supposed to be a perfected version of who she wanted to be, but isn't. Like, she's not happy with this. God, you could have stretched this into a really long arc, honestly. It really is. Or the show could have just been the Angela show. Mm -hmm. Just watching her downfall. I mean, she is strong enough to, like, have a story about her. She really is. But yeah, it's so sad and upsetting. Uh, Tao even gets freed from jail, but he just fucking ghosts Angela. The worst part is where it's like, he gets a text message from her, and it, all it just says is, help me. And he just puts his phone away. It's like, oh, come on. Uh, yeah, he's clearly got some other mechanizations that I know you probably, to. I know you probably don't have real emotions, but come on, man. <laughs> Meanwhile, Carol's dealing with Amir being locked up in a detention center. And yet, while he's locked up, uh, being prepared to be deported back to Earth, he still makes a new song. Oh, that's a power move right there. Just, like, draws all up on a cell wall with messages to Carol, and then he goes up to the guard saying, like, Hey, you got a camera? I got a new song. <laughs> and it's a message to Carol, the song Lone Star Jazz. Ooh. And we do see that he released it under his real name, Amir, and not Ezekiel. As Carol did say when they met up, she had hoped to hear uh, the Amir she once knew sing. And that, and he did just that right here. Oh, yes. Fuck yes. Outside looking in. Reach beyond a place you've never been. See, I have the power of many men. When I walk, you don't see a grimace. My ignorance with intelligence, militant moves. You should never question the elephant. I appear, yet I'm barely even here. When you're not around, 
around, there's no one that's allowed to see my tears. Adam to your Eve, apple of your eye. Whatever the circumstances, though, I'll end up on your side. Carol, hit you with the love struck arrow. Feelings start to scat like Ella Fitzgerald. Feral, honestly, I meant to say pheromone. You was always there since my parents was never home. Orphan, crack fortune, protecting my precious orchid from evil forces. Dormant, see the sky's not stormless. Monday's so heavy, hit you back on a Tuesday. When things feel steady, it's the prophet, the one and only who's laying it. Forever known as he, ain't no need for the alias. I'm representing Mars till I feel like an alien. And you're the only star that I'll date again. Love. Days without your face, it's hard to stay sane alone. I hate the time you're not here. You're the closest thing to Mmm, fuck. <laughs> Really good, really good lyric writing on that. Really good. And conveying your feelings through music, baby. It's all coming back to Desmond. Mm-hmm. Time to prepare for the Mars Grammys. And since it's Christmas time, old Santa Gus gets Carolyn Tuesday their gift. They get to perform with Crystal at the Grammys. And she wants her song to be a shining light in all the darkness that's been taking over Mars as of late. And whatever that song is, I'm sure it'll be better than a bunch of celebrities singing Imagine. <laughs> I mean, like, I inevitably couldn't help but think of that during this whole time. <laughs> during the whole final stretch of the show. I mean, I mean, come on. Right, <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> so they managed to complete the song in time for the show, and wouldn't you know it, it's Christmas. And wouldn't you also know it, Carol, it's your birthday. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Carol. Carol. <laughs> oh, on Tuesday, gives her a nice gift, sings happy birthday to her, and gives her a little uh, piano uh, snow globe. Presumably also pays $500 to the happy birthday people. Yep, they cash that check immediately. <laughs> uh, everything's just so nice. Wouldn't you agree, Angela? Oh, everything's not nice for you. Yeah, you're, you're, you're downing 50 quaaludes an hour. <laughs> Uh, then it gets really, really bad for her, where Dahlia finally wakes up from her coma in time to say goodbye to Angela. Her last words were apologizing for everything she did to her, and also apologizing for all the lies she's told. Except for loving her. That wasn't a lie. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> Dahlia. And on the day of the Grammys, too. So, Carol Tuesday and Crystal give their performance of after the fire with uh, Lauren Dyson as Crystal.
this is a good song here. A song I would love to hear after the world's not on fire. <laughs> Afterwards, we get the presentation for the Best New Artist Award, and the winner is Angela. Surprisingly, she doesn't throw the award on the ground calling it a pittance, but instead she gives a big performance before collapsing on stage. <sighs> and before she collapsed, you can kind of tell everyone's kind of knowing something's up just by listening to her lyrics. The AI-driven lyrics conveying her feelings at the t in the moment. And the fact that this episode just ends with her being loaded up into an ambulance, all from her POV and put into a local medical facility, it's just... It's heavy. It's heavy. It's just kind of, you know, just twisting the knife even further into Angela here. So we find out later that uh, Angela actually overdosed on painkillers. And also uh, musicians such as uh, Skip, who have been opposing uh, Valerie's uh, anti-immigration platform, are being arrested one after another here. Uh, musicians, most of whom are people of color... Getting beaten and arrested by cops. Right, it's... it's All of it's, whom are white guys. Yeah, it's seeming, it's seeming like uh, Valerie's policies are finally invading uh, the musical world of Carolyn Tuesday. Like, they're actively see, starting to see the music uh, here as being a threat. Also, I think Watanabe's trying to tell us something! Yep, and I imagine he is. <laughs> so, things are getting even more fucked, and Carolyn Tuesday get together with a bunch of musicians to do the one thing they can do come up with the ultimate protest song. There's a hole in my heart as diva's the cell for those poor little folks. We're stuck halfway to hell, but we can't get them out so we'll do the next best thing and go on TV and sing 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 and we're sending our love down to Mars all the way down. We're sending our love down to Mars, down to Mars. <laughs> It's more or less that, but much more sincere. Yeah, yeah. They they, they sell it a bit better here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the song will follow a specific theme, mothers. Because that's something everyone can relate to. Like, they're, they're relating it to the idea of, like, Mother Nature. Like, we all come from Mother Nature. So, like, you Mother know. Mars, giving us a place to live. Get, get along, people, now. Yep. <laughs> and they gather a bunch of artists. Both are missing just one. Let's close out. Carolyn Tuesday, as well as Summer of Music, with a banger of a finale. Tao meets with Angela one last time to tell her that he's screwing over Valerie's campaign manager, Jerry, exposing all the shady shit he's done, including the truth behind the bombing there. Plus, it was kind of revealed, too, that he was kind of the one more influencing Valerie, which I think is, I think it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a cop-out. A bit of a cop-out. Like, it's, it's like, come on, like, you're, it's like, you're, you're, you did all this shit, and you're just like, yeah, I don't really believe in any of that, I just want to be president. Like, yeah, Valerie's not full MAGA. Like, like, come on, like, yeah. that, that seems like a little bit of a cop-out. A little say, bit. It was just one person influencing her. Yeah. Like, this, do like, really, this doesn't go any deeper, really. Yeah, come on, don't you believe it in a little bit? Yeah. Like, you condone this, Valerie. Or, like, there's not, like, 50 other people beneath her who, like, just, who are, like, just 50 times worse than that guy. Yeah. Like, come right. the fuck on. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tal tells Angela that he can't take her with him because he has to go into hiding after this, and that she needs to start singing for herself and not for others, and also, she isn't alone, despite how she, how she may think. And also, he actually gives a big reveal to where she actually came from. That apparently she's, uh, she and him are test tube babies. And apparently the person who wanted to make the perfect, uh, child, both of them, 
got arrested for doing like these kind of shady things and so yeah it's good angela doesn't know the person who made her but it also kind of relates back to uh her and uh dahlia because when you really think about it dahlia is in fact her one and only mother and she was she yes. was so meanwhile yeah valerie she withdraws from the candidacy for the president because uh she didn't believe in any of that stuff even though she spouted it and promoted it which is kind of just as worse, honestly. It is She worse. weaponized it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's not sugarcoat it. That's kind of worse. Like, she's looking on, like, Space Fox News going all like, this is fine. Like, I can use, like, oh, I can use this. I can use the fears of the people to put me in office. <laughs> What's next? I'm going to go hold a Bible for a photo op? <laughs> so then we get the main event of the show here. On New Year's Eve... Musicians from across Mars, including Crystal, Flora, Piotr, GGK, secretly gather at the Mars Immigration Memorial Hall, the same place where Carolyn Tuesday first performed Loneliest Girl, to sing their new song, song to unite all of Mars together. They're even joined by Desmond, who came back from the dead! <laughs> like, what the... I'm sorry, I laughed at this. <laughs> I was like, okay, so wait a hold on a second. Desmond was just... Hold on a second. Desmond was just sitting in their ha- in their house, like apparently clinically dead all this time. <laughs> Didn't tell anyone because they only had a robot as their only friend, who was also their life support machine, keeping them alive all this time. No one thought to check Desmond's pulse or anything before they left. Like, oh, they're 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 dead. It's like no, they just fucking left. They didn't even bother to take their body too. Uh, apparently only being subsisted on, like, I don't know, like, IV drips or something all this time. <laughs> and then as soon as this competition is starting up, Desmond's all like, oh, wait, I guess I'm not really dead. <laughs> I have been summoned. <laughs> Mars needs me. <laughs> and then they just, like, come back all like, oh, hey, y'all doing this Live Aid event? Like, Here, let me help you. Let like, me help you. This, th- this was funny to me. Like, that was actually funny. I feel that was supposed to be intentionally a little silly. <laughs> like, hey, y'all, I'm back from the dead. But it's great. We get to have Desmond back. Yay. We got everyone here. We got Gigi. We got, uh, we got Lonesome Clarence. <laughs> I guess country does pretty well in the future, too, I Surprisingly. guess. Surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> that Mars country is better than bro country. Yeah, I, I would hope so, really. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, no Mermaid Sisters, though. No, the Mermaid Sisters didn't make an appearance. I feel throwing in some fucking bullshits would definitely unite the world in perfect harmony. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> Very soulful. They could, br- they, they could bring some good soul. Fucking fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then they get together in front of the entire planet, and they all perform Mother in an event that would go down in Martian history as the Seven Minute Miracle. And we cannot do this song justice in no. this podcast. No, this is like the song to end the series off on. Fuck it, I'm putting all seven minutes in. All right, it's time to get this thing started. Sometimes we are 
you 
mind, put those things down. It's just a song after all. Besides, it's pretty good if you ask me. Sorry if you got t- a little tired after those seven minutes. <laughs> like, I mean, come on! I put you through worse. I put you through like All Might's finest hour. I mean, ugh, man, it's 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 a strong finale. And like the last two episodes of our podcast, like both Beck and Kids on the Slope had had their great finest hours, but Carolyn Tuesday, like this song right here, is the finest of finest hours. It's the most cathartic by far. Or actually, rather, I would say it's 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 on a level of catharsis as like Kids on the Slope endings well, endings was. Oh yeah, definitely on that level. Like, like just like Kids on the Slope ending, I started tearing up at this. You're just bringing together just just about nearly every singer in the series. You got every character in the series looking upon this performance online. Like, how can this not like? How can you not feel something towards this? Like, I really like the bit where like Skip's watching in jail and like he's actually kind of air guitaring to the song because like uh, one of his like bandmates is there performing for him yeah because he couldn't be there in spirit he he just wanted to be there in spirit and then we see amir like back on earth in the slums just like looking on his phone just smiling going like he did a care oh man just everyone looking upon this performance looking upon carol and tuesday and angela with just brimming pride and i like the bit where like the riot squad starts breaking in and Gus just stops him going on like, hey, what are you bringing those guns here for? Why don't you listen to the song? It's pretty great, isn't it? Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> seven, the seven minute miracle indeed. This is, this is such a soulful song to end the series off on. And so, Carolyn Tuesday, Summer of Music, and Year 3 of Anime, baby, comes to a close with a final message across the screen. 
will be continued in your mind. Carolyn Tuesday leaving us with a message of taking what you've learned, what the series has taught you, and asking you to apply that to real life. Cue a bunch of nerds not getting that and thinking the show was trolling them about a second season. <laughs> Come on, guys, really? I uh, never change. <laughs> Stop asking for second seasons for shows that don't need them. Uh, but anyway, curtain down. Final thoughts uh, on Carolyn Tuesday and summer music. Ah, uh, shit, Carolyn Tuesday. Like this, uh, this, this, this is a. Uh... Yeah, this really is one of the best uh, musical anime I've I've, uh, I've ever seen. <laughs> it's <laughs> it really um, fuck. I I I've I've ended up liking it more than like even Love Live, you know, and those in like the, every series that had, you know. But um, yeah, man. Ah, damn. Like this is <laughs> really fucking good. Like really, God, Watanabe Watanabe does it again. He really does it again. He made a he he finally made. This feels like the apotheosis of, like, everything he has felt about, like, music and stuff. In some ways, more than, like, even Kids on the Slope. This is finally him. Like, this is, like, his overall thesis on music, I feel. If he never made another music anime ever again, this one would have been fine. This and Kids on the Slope would have been absolutely fine. I feel with the fact that this covers more genres of music, this is, like, even a more of a personal story for him. Yeah, it's 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 a lot more personable. It feels like yeah, it's he's he's tackling with Carolyn Tuesday. He really shows that he wants to. Um, he really showed that he wanted to, you know, that he really wants to begin tackling, you know, more personable stories. Like going to the series, I didn't think it was gonna go towards anything as heavy as like uh, tackling themes of like. Uh, like immigration and like fear mongering and like its later parts. You was in real it's, life, and it's all like handled very uh, deftly and respectfully. Like I, I feel like overall, like it actually gets across its, you know, message of like music, music reaching across like the different planes of life and really uniting people better than like many other series or like other works where I feel like they try to attempt that uh, same theme, but kind of like some come across as a sanctimonious or a little preachy or something nothing about carolyn tuesday feels preachy to me not, not at all. all not at all no like it's doing it's it, it ended up doing a lot of stuff that like I've, I've seen done horribly in others in other works but like it feels so uh genuine and from the heart when it's coming from uh watanabe and his team for the series like they really they really did pull out all the stops for this anime they got like actual musicians for like all the singer characters. <laughs> they they lovingly portrayed, uh, you know, Mars and like its city as like a living, breathing place with like its own politics and uh, you know people that like live in it. Like even more so than Bebop did. Yeah, even more so than Bebop. And uh, it has such a strong throw through with Carolyn Tuesday as these just. Uh, these two absolute best friends. These best girlfriends forever. The the best of friends forever. Like it's it's such a strong um, friendship at the core of the series, surrounded by the, such strong relationships like on the side, through, like its side characters and whatnot. I mean, it, Carolyn Tuesday. It's 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 a it's a it's a re, it's a really fantastically pulled off music anime. I could safely say one of the uh, one of the best out there. Like it really deserves to be up there with like the uh, the classics like Back and whatnot. You know, it's kind of funny. Like uh, when we did the Back episode, and we ended going thinking like 
Could there ever be another musical anime just like this series? Could anyone do this? Carolyn Tuesday comes close. Yeah, like, like Watanabe's all like, hold my beer. <laughs> I got this. Like, he, like, Watanabe seriously got close to making it work on par with Beck. Like, I really do think so. In this, in this series. And again, and I still, and I still are, and I would still maybe, like, argue that, yeah, an anime like Beck that takes itself as slowly and is as, like, weird as it is and, like, doesn't sugarcoat, like, these, like, difficult characters. I do think, like, a, an anime like that still will not ever exist again. <laughs> uh, but, like, I, Carolyn Tuesday, um, it reaches, it reaches the depths of heart that, like, Beck had, though. In that regard, I think it came very close. It also does the similar thing where it covers, like, the very highest of highs when it comes to, like, performing in the music industry and also the lowest of lows. And I feel like I, I feel it. like I danced across the full breadth of the music industry with the series. Like, it yeah. really, it really managed to make me feel like I went on a, like, I went on a journey, you know? <laughs> and, like, the way the summer worked out couldn't have been more perfect with, like, these, these last three episodes where we did back, that we did Kids on the Slope and then did Carolyn Tuesday, like... It was the perfect escalation. It, it really does feel like that. It really does. Back, introducing to, like, you know, life in the music industry, the kind of relationships you meet, you'd make, you know, kids on the slope, bringing us, you know, the love of music and sharing that love, and now Carolyn Tuesday combining both of them with a story that is firmly, firmly rooted in real-world events. Your plan, your plan has come to fruition, Mike. <laughs> I did it, it was all me. <laughs> no, but I do feel like things have kind of, like, come full circle now, you know, by the end of this, uh, by the end of this watch, watching series that we've done. You know, I'm, uh, I'm really glad we did, uh, I'm really glad we did Summer of Music. Like, Carolyn Tuesday could have been, could not have been more perfect to end things off on. Absolutely. I, 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 I too am glad that I went with this plan. Good job, me. But, no, Carolyn Tuesday is just fantastic. Top to bottom. Some hiccups here and there with some storylines and whatnot. But still, very, very good. And, like, a worthy show for Celebrate Bones' 20th anniversary with Watanabe at the helm. You know, someone who has worked with Bones in the past and likes the space dandy and the like. And also the big thing that really just carries the series, not only with the music, but the characters as well. Like, Carolyn Tuesday could not have been the more, most perfect protagonist for this series. Like, these two characters who are just, just have big dreams, big ideas, having to go up against this very, very realistic world that's trying to bring them down, and very realistic events that they do have to address. And it's just, I feel like this is the kind of series that is definitely made of the times and kind of very still needed to this day mm, definitely fantastic music top to bottom i love all of it it had thundercat in it, like it had it's, 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 it's an instant 10 out of 10 yep and denzel curry too highly recommend carolyn tuesday highly recommend it highly highly recommend i guess you already answered it with the back thing but like uh how would you rank uh this summer in terms of shows here uh how would i rank them uh hmm Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I, I would, I mean, I would think like, uh, you know, Show by Rock would be a uh, more, more on the middle or something. Uh, then it would maybe go up to maybe like um, Kids on the Slope, and then like uh, Carolyn Tuesday, and then just edging above Carolyn Tuesday, uh, Beck. I, I would have to agree, but it's very, very close at the top. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, Carolyn Tuesday and Beck, they need to have a bit of a concert combat here to truly decide who the winner of summer music is. I don't, I don't think they need a concert of combat or anything, you know? I think they both uh, just do their own thing, and uh, that's all you can really ask of them. Mm-hmm. Just need to jam out for the rest of us. And that is, a, is the curtain on this summer concert, folks. There will be no encore. Thank you, Springton. There will be no encore. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. I've been your host, Mikey, and you can find me at my social medias at Mikey Shioda on Twitter, MikeyShioda.tumblr.com, and Mikey Shioda on the Instagram. Where can we find you, Ryan? You can find me at 2Bits on Twitter and Wolfish Grin on Tumblr. Follow Anime Bebe on Twitter. That's Anime Bebe at Anime underscore Bebe. Also follow the show, AnimeBebe.podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. And so, we close the door on another summer series, and we'll come back to another, there'll be other summers, as uh, I do have an idea for what we're going to do next year. I have a plan, but uh, you, won't, you won't get it out of, out of me, you're not going to threaten me with telling you, you know, I won't be intimidated by criminal threats. Yes, all in due time, folks. Now, summer is officially over, we called it, summer is done, and now we can get into the spooky season! Oh, my month! <laughs> as well as the podcast's third anniversary! Woo! Three years! Coming, coming up, folks. Oh, yeah. We're entering year four next time. And to mark the occasion, we've got just the treat. No trick here. We're talking all about... Doro Hidoro! Ah, another suggestion from me. And a brilliant suggestion. Ah, you've got, like, sorcerers wearing masks and just killing the shit out of each other in really gruesome ways. Just the like, darkest of dark comedy. Yes! Like, what could be better for the month of Halloween? Also, plenty of mushrooms. Yes, lots and lots of mushrooms on the way. And lizards, too. That, too. Until then... Stay safe out there, wash your hands, wear a fucking mask if you're unvaccinated, even if you are vaccinated, and if you're not vaccinated, then go get fucking vaccinated, it's FDA approved. Black Lives Matter, trans rights are human rights, stop Asian hate, and this has been... Anime, baby! Yeah. Total shit. Ugh. The best shit yet. Good job. Huh? Wait, what?